Kevin, what's up, man? Hey, Mike. What's going on? You just got back from um, Labs for Liberty. Uh-huh. Uh, Joan um, and everybody at Labs for Liberty hooked you up with the service dog, correct? Yes, they did. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome people. And yeah. uh, I was talking to you earlier on, that drive from Prescott up north into Utah, past the uh, Zion National Park. Yeah, yeah. Man, I've been all over the world. That's one of the nicest drives I've ever done in my life. It's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. But that place up there, Labs for Liberty, really, really good people. They got me a Belgian Malinois and a super chill dog. He's on the couch over there laying, you know, relaxed. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's awesome. He's really cool. So for people who don't understand kind of, and this is just probably to uh, reinforce what you just learned recently. Because I went through the same process through Labs for Liberty. They educate you. Mm-hmm. Really, the training's not for the dog. It's for yeah. you mm-hmm. to assimilate with the dog, but also give you an understanding legalities and understanding of well, you know the uh, the service dog and what it's used for. Mm-hmm. What is your service dog used for? And, and kind of uh, you know you're 100 percent disabled, service mm-hmm. connected disabled. Um, I know my pearls. I use her for bracing because yep. I'm missing about mm-hmm. half of my hamstring on my right leg. And so she could, I could physically use her to pull me upstairs if my leg gives out or something weird happens, but I could use her physically to brace myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple other things, but that fits into the the federal service dog, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a mobility dog. I have a stress fracture in my back and I have some other injuries and he'll pick things up for me. And, and they really do a great job on, on training dogs up there. And uh so some a lot of veterans who get dogs that that dog you have no choice but to take him out like twice a day on long walks you know yeah. which is great and and Joan was explaining this to me she was saying because the dog is so active and he forces you almost to get out and and, and exercise exercise is good for depression it, it really has helped a lot of veterans in ways that people don't understand because people look at me and you and they're like oh they're not disabled but you've no idea you see a guy with a service dog you've no idea what's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, great program. If you're looking for somebody to donate to, they always need money. Uh, I went up there and they fed me and kept me and, and, and it, it, I didn't spend a dime up there. Um, fantastic organization that really, really helps veterans. Yeah. We just helped a law enforcement officer in, uh, Ceres, California, get a service dog at the same program. We donated a few thousand dollars, but if, yeah, if you're looking to donate to a nonprofit, especially in this kind of time of need where mm-hmm. people aren't thinking about that kind of stuff, there's a little bit more self-preservation going on. You can go to labsforliberty.com or dot org. I'm sorry. Uh, it's a nonprofit. Um, or just check out our social media platforms. In fact, uh, I started Pearl's Instagram because I wanted to highlight that Labs for Liberty organization and, and try to show you know, what she's doing for me. But in that transitional phase, it's super important. Outside of physical disabilities, I do. I'm not a fan of this uh, emotional support dog mm-hmm. thing, where people can have any form of animal. You can have a miniature horse. <laughs> That's really? A, yeah. Wow. And I'd pe- be pissed if I was on an airplane and somebody had yeah. a miniature horse and it shit in your lap. <laughs> <laughs> but people have all these different kinds of dogs, and yeah. I don't. I don't like. You know, people need emotional support. You can make the connection with anybody that anybody needs emotional support. We all do. But for me, uh, in understanding. Um, the transitional phase where there is psychological stuff and physical damage, us to, you know, us being permanently and total uh, disabled mm-hmm. via the military. 
um, there's a need for those service dogs and there's a need for these organizations to be stood up and elevated by supporting them. So Yeah, I posted a thing on social media while I was up there. And then a guy, I'm not going to say his name, but a guy that we both know contacted Joan that day and asked about getting, getting really? the lab. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was just got out right ahead of me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a great program and it really does help. There, there's, there's still, and people forget about it, right? There's still 22 veterans every day to commit suicide, which yeah. is a fucking ridiculous number. It is. Um, yeah, we got, we got to do better than that. What's the Corona recap, man? There's some shit going on. <laughs> there is. Um, I, I think we're still almost in the same. I was hoping we would know more by this week, but we're still kind of in the dark. Mm. Um, I've talked to um, some, my brother lives in New Jersey and works in Manhattan mm-hmm. and works in a hospital in Manhattan that's got coronavirus cases. We haven't been impacted that much here because we're very rural. In Arizona, and, right? In Arizona and yeah. in Prescott in particular. Um, and I was up in Utah for a couple of days there and it was really rural, but like there's parts of America and parts of the world that are devastated by this thing. Um, we still don't know the big, I think the big unanswered question, there's so much bad da- data that come out of places like Russia and China, China are lying, lying their ass off. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, we've no more cases. Shut up, uh, yeah, up man. Yeah. You're lying your ass off. So if we had good data coming out of those countries, we might have a better handle on it. But uh, everybody's just trying to get, you know, left of bang, get ahead of this thing, flatten the curve, and, and try not to get overwhelmed. Um, yeah, but, we're, but, we're, we're on the upscale now as a society. And they, mm. a lot of people, especially New York and other places that are densely populated, predict a, a scale off the Richter scale, like the, the what is it called? The, uh, the peak. Mm-hmm. The peak of it's mm-hmm. going to be somewhere in, in the neighborhood of... Uh, uh, 10 days from now. Mm-hmm. And I just looked, I just pulled up the coronavirus uh, uh, app that I use that's connected to the CDC reports. And today, as of 1.48 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, there's 670 Americans that have died today. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually the most that we've had. It's up, this morning it was 4,000 people. Yeah. Now it's 4,699 people. Mm-hmm. So we've already elevated to a new status with 21,000 we've added today, just today. And it has the, we're not even halfway through the day. Yeah. We still got 12 more hours. So 211,000 cases, 4,699 dead, still on the peak. And people don't understand, like, I've heard scientists, like the, the White House is doing a good job. The administration yeah. is actually doing a real good job mm-hmm. in not only tracking this through the right models, but disseminating the information that's appropriate for the Americans to understand what's going on. And mitigation, mitigation is their tactic in addressing this. They call mm-hmm. it mitigation. But it's essentially a, a federal mandate that the country for the next 30 days, because they extended it 30 days, mm-hmm. should be contained and self-quarantine um, and shelter in place, which mm-hmm. means you should limit your activity, your exposure, and that's what's going to get us through that uh, curve. But la- yesterday when they briefed this, the CDC representatives who briefed it in front of President Trump showed what happens when we don't do this. When we don't mitigate, we're looking at anywhere between 1 million and 2 million casualties with no mitigation. Mm -hmm. Even if we mitigate through the next 30 days, the prediction is we will still lose over the... I think it's the... And correct... I always tell people to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's an 18-month model where we're going to lose between 100 and 200,000 people even through a mitigation period, no matter what. 
And to me, that's scary. Yeah, we're, 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 we're hoping that the mortality rate is not as high as it's been. It was very, I think it was 8% in Italy, but Italy got hit hard. Yes. And, yeah. and, uh, and they almost got hit first, like, like they, they just took a, a knockout punch. Um, a lot of these smaller countries like Ireland, how many people f- were flying from China to Ireland at that time? Yes. Compared to how many people were flying from freaking China to California mm-hmm. at that time, you know? So a lot of these European countries, you know, kind of, Italy has a big tourist population, obviously, but... Um, the uh we're, we're just hoping that but even if it's like it's been it's been eight percent in italy it's been three to four percent a lot of other places and they're they're hoping that it's but even if it's one percent that's like 10 times the flu it that's is, still yeah. a lot of people right yeah. so we're hoping it, it is lower but you know god bless capitalism right because you've got all these industries in america now stepping up the same way they did in world war ii and manufacturing masks and ventilators and all kinds of stuff right that that's what the free market does for you you know so it's so good on them i remember being in afghanistan i was telling my brother this yesterday and finding a 50 cal machine gun made by singer sewing machine company you know what i mean that was the same thing in world war ii all these companies stepped up and built weapons and planes and all kinds of stuff tesla is one of them ford motor company yeah they're doing great stuff that's good that's what they should do yeah especially after we bailed them out especially yeah 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 you know you know um actually i take that back ford's the only company that didn't take the buyback money to repair that's why i had respect for ford that's why i bought a ford i know that was the sole reason i bought a ford right yeah that the transmission just I know. <laughs> I was just gonna say that the transmission just <laughs> fell out of. But uh, uh, hey, hey, what about like doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and, and and first responders? Man, they're they're on the front lines. Man, they're they're freaking heroes right now. Yeah. Um, I heard a statistic. I don't know how accurate it is that twenty five percent of healthcare workers are coming down positive. You know. Yeah. So you go to work every day with a one in four chance to freaking get coronavirus, and um, good on them, man. Really, really stepping up. And then there's. Then there's these freaking scumbags, and I'm just going to say it, from Whole Foods, who are now, and Whole Foods delivers food. It's owned by Amazon. Really? Yeah. They deliver food, and they're delivering a lot of food now. It's owned by Amazon, and they use this, some guy in Chicago started it, but they're using this crisis to try and get more money, and they want double, they want double their pay because they're freaking you know, risk, you're, you're packing boxes, dude, get over yourself. If I was in charge, I'd fire every one of them and I'd freaking hire people who lost their jobs because of coronavirus. So they're protesting because they don't want to, they're uh, going to go and strike because they want double pay. Imagine if fucking cops and first responders and nurses did the same thing because we're in a crisis. People really show their true colors when stuff like this happens, you know? Um, there, there's going to be heroes that come out the other end of this, like nurses and stuff like that. And then there's going to be people of like like Nancy Pelosi, who wants to deflect blame from herself by blaming Trump. Trump could have been faster. He did stop all the flights from China very, yeah. very early. They were against that as well. But yeah, and they'll call him a racist and everything. Yeah. And every the whole world got caught by this. But when this thing broke, she was in Chinatown in San Francisco going, come to Chinatown, don't worry about this virus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then now she's, saying, oh, Trump hesitated and it cost lives, you know? If Nancy Pelosi got the coronavirus, she would probably die. Like, she's so old. Yep. And she's probably got compromised immunity. I mean, she's an older person. It's like, do you really want to take the chances with what's the going devil, on now? The devil would save her. Yeah. He'd be like, man, that's yeah. my girl right there. Yeah. I'm going to save her. <laughs> I saw a thing where it was like, oh, she's not that bad. 
it's not like she worships the devil and then somebody said she doesn't have to he worships her yeah <laughs> that's so funny man I, I i think it's really interesting too like you said that people's true colors come out yeah you know, i mm-hmm. i the the naysayers who are just living in their bubbles i've heard uh me and george were driving to california and listening to a podcast uh a howard stern podcast I don't even know if he has a podcast. It's called a radio show or something like Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was interviewing uh, Alec Baldwin. And Alec Baldwin's like, yeah, man, we're doing we're doing great. Like, we're our situation is, you know, given the circumstances, like, no shit. Yeah, in your mansion. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're big titty. Um, so I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I shouldn't say that on the podcast. But you have a, 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 a chick who's like 30-something years your uh-huh. senior. You live her in junior. a mansion. Yeah, her, jun- yeah, her yeah, junior. Yeah. You live in a mansion. Yeah. And uh good way to way to way to slug it out yeah. there, trooper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah living in the slums. Fuck you, man. Oh man. Yeah, yeah me yeah. and George looked her up and we're like, oh, that's not that's not so yeah. bad. Maybe maybe after all this, people will realize that he's all shitbags in Hollywood and all these fucking nobody needs him. Nobody yeah. fucking well, needs it's, him. It's so funny because the whole the whole production element of Los Angeles mm-hmm. and Hollywood and everything else is on cease. Like, like they're yeah. cease and desist. Nobody, nothing is happening. Nobody cares. And nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the yeah. best thing, the best thing I've seen is, um, you know, people actually for the first time doing other things besides, I don't know, going to the fucking movies and blowing mm-hmm. money at clubs and bars and restaurants. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you think when when. And we, we will get past this and we will fix it and we will move on and, and vaccines will be available. And, but when we get past this and we get back to normal, whatever the new normal is, you think there'll be a boom in the economy because people have been like locked on for, for oh, yeah. a couple of months and it'll be like, woo, yeah, party time, bring on the dancing girls. Well, man. I think our people are finding the, the end of the internet, the interwebs right now. <laughs> They're just fucking balls deep in the internet. Looking for everything they can. Yeah, Porn hubs on the up and up. They're about to crash the server. Uh, Amazon is just crushing it. That, um, that's yeah. good content. We'll make more cat videos. They'll be like, we ran out of cat videos. I know, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the cool thing to see with us is uh, the amount of people that are tuned into our content mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been doing these little basic pistol videos. And I've done them before, but now... I want to do them and disseminate them. Like instead of the live, I'm doing it on YouTube and I'm doing it on Instagram mm-hmm. or IGTV. Um, but more people are paying attention now. Well, there's more people. There's a lot of first time gun buyers out there that were like, "Oh, maybe I do need a gun." Yeah, because there's states in America where they're letting criminals out of jail and they're stopping crime on a on a non like non violent crime. They're not even arresting people for it. Yeah, and unemployment's climbing and uh, people are getting. But you know what I mean? A little scared, so they're buying guns. Yes. So it's really important that those first-time gun buyers know how to handle a gun. Yes. And you would be shocked with some of the, the stuff. The yeah. basic stuff I'm going over is like how do how do you hold a gun? Yeah. You know, just talking it to like the micro level because uh, I want people, especially new gun owners, to be safe around me yeah. or around my family. Mm-hmm. And I want them to advance their skill sets and maybe take a gunfighter pistol course with us. Because I imagine if I'm in a bad circumstance and you have a responsible citizen who is prepared, I want that as an enabler yeah. to facilitate our survival. Mm-hmm. The right people, yep. right? Yeah. If I you mean, don't, yeah. if you don't train with us, train with somebody. Somebody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ideally, when a dude pops off in a bad circumstance, you have ten people who shoot that bad guy mm-hmm. in the face instead of one. Hopefully, not in a circle. Not in a circle. Polish yeah. ambush. Yeah. yeah, containment, um, L-shaped ambush. But you know what? You know what's funny that it's funny to sit back and watch is is how people's 
perceptions of the world have changed in a couple of weeks. Like gun, people are buying guns who never would have thought they bought yeah, guns. Yeah. People are looking at truck drivers, right? I've bitched and complained about truck drivers on the road a thousand times. Yeah, like everybody God. else. Yeah. Yesterday there was a truck behind me. I'm like, oh, let me get out of the way of this guy, man. Yeah. He's going, woo! <laughs> yeah, he's going to deliver toilet yeah, paper somewhere. Yeah, good for you, yeah. But uh, that and then preparedness, right? Yeah. People, you know, the preparedness and prepping was always you know, associated with freaking nut jobs and cabins up in the mountains that are afraid of the government, right? In, yeah. in some areas, right? But I think people are going to look at preparedness and being, man, I got, I got caught short. Let, let me, let me, uh, I think people are looking differently at it now. Yeah. Um, and, and rightly so. You should be. The, it, we're, we're very, very volatile and we're very, very easily destroyed yeah. uh, humans. You we're know, fragile. We're, we're just, yeah. yeah. A freaking microscopic organism is shutting the whole world down. Yeah, and uh, those those uh, those markets in China, those wet markets where they're eating bats and shit like that, where I think SARS came out of there, and yeah, and, and it, they're back up open and running now. I saw again. that, yeah, yeah. fucking ridiculous. It's just disgusting, man. You drop it's, a bomb and <laughs> dude, it's fucking disgusting, man. I mean, these places, these wet markets, one, they they, they in a way they're essential. They're essential for their population. Mm-hmm. When you have two billion people living on top of each other yeah. inside of these densely populated areas where everybody has to eat constantly, mm-hmm. they're just pulling shit out of the woodwork, man. Mm-hmm. They're they're going in a jungle and pulling every animal and seeing a, a way to cook it. Mm-hmm. Like the meme that I saw showed chihuahuas that were they were frying. Wow, they're cooking dogs. Damn. I mean, that's like the mm-hmm. Chinese man. That's the Chinese way. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know, this Kung flu uh, uh, racism that's associated with, I don't take offense to that because mm-hmm. the Chinese in, in in that sense, we know who we're talking about. We're not yeah. talking about the, the, the people who are normal. We're, like there's no, I don't take offense to any I, of that. I, so. I freaking, I blame the Chinese government for hiding this shit yes. when they could have warned the world and they actually yeah. fucking prosecuted and people disappeared. Journalists who were talking about it in China yeah, early they on, yeah. they fucking disappeared, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, we need to get away from China. Manufacturing needs to go Everything. back to the States. Fuck. I don't care if it costs more. We'll figure it out because there'll be more jobs and more wealth in the we'll country. We'll be better prepared. We will be, yeah. And all our medicine and all kinds of shit coming yeah. out of there. Stop, man. Well, the, the, the story that came out was the pharmaceutical issues that were coming out because we were using the raw... Because there's, you know, obviously in manufacturing, there's, there's loopholes. One of the loopholes is it, the raw material was made in China... And you just put the shit together in America, it's made in America. Mm-hmm. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. Because, especially when it comes to pharmaceuticals, because chemically it's made in a factory at a compound in the middle of Wuhan, mm-hmm. and then we're pressing it here in a machine, and we're calling that good. Well, when all this went down, some essential pharmaceutical medicines were, were not able to get over here, so we had a mass shortage. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would we not think, you know, the idea should be, there should be incentives for businesses and corporations to bring everything here and figure out a way. And if that's a subsidy, I'm okay with that subsidy. Mm-hmm. If you could subsidize my company in order for me to shift and lift fire to bring everything here in the United States, then so be it. That's what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Like these, the ventilators are a great example of that because 
the ventilators for the most part that we get are sourced overseas because it's cheap. Mm -hmm. So we need, those companies need to be subsidized so we could start making that stuff here and then stockpiling it for the next pandemic. Because when this is over with, something Mm -hmm. else will happen. It's just a matter of time. That's why South Korea's response was actually very good because they've they've been kicked in the crotch by SARS and H1N1 so many times because they're over there. So they had the ventilators and the masks and all that stuff stockpiled. So they their reaction and their their uh, was was very very good, you know. Initially, well, the Koreans too. Let's let's be honest. Like I know the, yeah. the the best Asians out of all the Asians is is Koreans. Is that true? It is because I ask mm-hmm. people like I ask Chris Abu. You know, uh, you know, Chris is a is a Filipino, but she's not even a real Filipino. She like is from a remote island off the Philippines. Mm-hmm. That's not technically that's not even Asian. Like you're technically a Hawaiian person. So whatever you are, like indigenous, the pure race of the Koreans, the integrity, the intelligence. The North Koreans? No, not the North Koreans. <laughs> we don't count them. We drew the line in the sand in the in the 50s. But I, I, you know, I'm proud to be Korean, but I know we're just superior in race compared to other Asians. <laughs> that was kind of a joke, but kind of not, because I feel that way. My mom ingrained me with that. Mm. She was totally racist. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about bugging out, man. Bugging out, we did part one of mm-hmm. bugging out. And it was so much information uh, as we broke out everything that was a consideration. But that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, bugging out, uh, there's so many things involved with bugging out that you have to take a look and narrow down the path and get deep in the weeds. And scrutinize everything. I said that in the last one. Like, if you get a huge rucksack, you will fill that thing. Because you'll, you'll... with dumb shit. Yep. With dumb shit you don't yeah. need. Right? You have an Xbox in there. You're like, why did I get an Xbox? <laughs> That's not dumb. Yeah. That's not <laughs> <laughs> then you need a generator and a TV and everything else. Glamping. Bug out glamping. Yeah. What did we... Uh, so we, we left off from the last one. We, we were going into communications because... Yes. That's the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Camo because Camo is super important, especially communications. I didn't. I, I didn't realize this till I did the podcast with Josh Nas. Uh, if you guys don't know this podcast, please reference it. Uh, Josh uh, is the ham radio crash course guy on YouTube, um, but he's also an expert in ham radio communications and survival comms. But he told me he goes, "Hey, when you have a radio." It's not just about transmitting, it's about receiving because you need to understand from the government, from uh, other people, what's going on situationally wise. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you, um, and I'm asking this because I don't know, even if you didn't want to get a license, you can buy a ham radio and just keep it in your go bag, right? Yes. And then if something really bad happens and, and sh- everything shuts down, you could keep it for monitoring and then use it if you needed to. Yes. Yes or no? Yeah. yeah but you, mm-hmm. you could get... So he... There's a couple models of this. There's a... The Bofang, for example, was a Chinese model. And one of the one of the uh, stipulations with a Bofang, which is like 25 bucks on Amazon, is it's open comm. So you could literally scan mm. on it openly and get traffic mm-hmm. as opposed to some of them that I think restrict the bands that you're on. And so it won't scan. So like, it'll almost frequency hop and, yeah. and pick up whatever's out there. Yes. Mm. And it's so it's super slow and, and latent because it's working like a scanner. Yeah. As opposed to being open where it just sucks any communication that's coming across the channel. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people in the ham radio community, and this is what I understand talking to Josh, that don't like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in fact, the uh, FCC doesn't like that. But it's available on Amazon and you can get one. Mm-hmm. And that's what I use for... The survival radio scanning, and then I got the uh, 
the Vesu. I, I don't. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it's a a Japanese company, which is a good version of it uh, that has Bluetooth, GPS, and everything else, where you pre-coordinate and plan everything you're going to communicate or listen to via the airwaves. Mm-hmm. You know, cool. Yeah. So, what type of ham radio do you think would be? Or I assume ham radio would be in your go bag. So I don't. I don't know if I'd go exclusively with ham radio. Mm-hmm. You know the the walkie talkies that you get is good for inner communication. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had the ability in the military to have an inbitter, and we did uh, elemental communications via internal communications mm-hmm. via that inbitter. Mm-hmm. But it was secure comms. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you're in a survival situation or circumstance, unless people, unless we're you know. And we're not talking pandemics here. We're talking about like a war against Russia or China mm-hmm. where they've infiltrated our country. There's no reason to, to worry about transmitting in the blind mm-hmm. or in the open in this mm-hmm. case. So uh, I would run a walkie-talkie handset mm-hmm. between me and the inner yeah. communication plan mm-hmm. and then have the ability to do outside communication. Yeah. Now your cell phone's going to be primary, right? If the GSM infrastructure, like right now, a pandemic has not... And I hate the fear mongering that's going on with this. Like, there's no reason our infrastructure, I'm not saying it would never happen, mm-hmm. but right now, there's no reason mm-hmm. that any of our infrastructure, our water, our power, um, our communications, our cell phone towers, there's no reason that would stop working. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's advantageous for it to continue to start working. But it would be smart to have some uh, apps on your phone that don't require signal, right? From off-grid maps and stuff yes. like that already already pre-loaded on your, on your cell phone. Yeah. I, well, I think one of the things that people don't understand about how a cell phone works is when you have a cell phone, most cell phones are tied in CDMA to the network which only means that you don't have the ability to unlock that cell phone or change out the SIM card, uh, which is really the, the way in which the phone communicates phone to phone. And so when you don't have that capability, if your phone shit the bed because the infrastructure like Verizon or at t shit the bed, you wouldn't be able to communicate. But if you had an unlocked cell phone because you own the phone, which I think is important in just communications period, you should own the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you own the phone um, and you, you're able to swap the SIM card in, then you'll be able to intercommunicate. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I thought you'd more. Okay. It's Alternate. interesting. I'm on Instagram. It's I'm only there's only seven people on here. Really? Yeah. That's weird. What's weird is it, it it's almost like it's being blocked because people are saying it's looping, it's froze, and then. Uh, Restart it? Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, let me restart it. Because there was like a thousand people on last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll start it. I'll restart it. Uh, but we can continue talking. Sorry. So, so primary cell phone, alternate. So primary cell phone GSM, right? Yeah. GSM sim. So mm-hmm. you need to own it, or or get a burner, or or we call a drop phone, right? It's a phone like I have a little Motorola Samsung. You can buy them online that mm-hmm. are unlocked. They're really cheap to own. They do data. They also do uh, communications via the network. And you could drop a SIM in there, right? It's an unlocked SIM card, but you could also tie into the Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. That's essential. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And what would be your alternate? So the alternate for me, and I, I think the alternate for me for outside, this is outside communications. Inner, inner communications mm-hmm. is easy. Yeah. Motorola. Uh, Motorola outside, from Walmart, man. <laughs> well, Thoraya, Thoraya and sat phones are, we call it Iridium, are super important in survival. But the, here's the problem. Like I had a Thoraya sat phone uh, when I used to deploy to, to Libya. 
and I would use that Thoria sat phone, but I did, it's a prepaid card. So you could have the data and then you could have everything mapped out. So it could be in your pack. Now this is expensive. Depending on this Thoria sat phone mm-hmm. you get, could be hundreds to thousands of dollars, but you get the prepaid minutes and then you just put it in your go bag. I carried it in my go bag. I never used it except for emergencies. Mm-hmm. The only downfall is it depends on where you are in the world. Because there are places in the world where the satellites that go over mm-hmm. in, that are that are revolving through the uh, atmosphere um, aren't able to communicate. Like in Africa, there's a whole bunch of places in Africa that I couldn't communicate because I didn't have the ability to do it. Mm. The uh, so what was your alternate again? The uh, sat phone. Sat phone. Yeah, okay. sat phone. Yeah, uh, contingency. So contingency for me would be uh, I, I would work a some kind of SMS uh, system. Mm-hmm. Like they have the, what are they called? The, the, the uh, inReach and the spot. Uh, what, is, that, is that what it's called? The inReach or spot? It, they're survival comms, right? Oh, the yeah, survival yeah, yeah. emergency mm-hmm. radios. Mm-hmm. Now those, those particular ones work off of a server and database, right? So the, you have a server that basically relays the traffic and it uses the current infrastructure to be able to do intercommunications. But a lot of the times that there's very um, comprehensive means in which to send that signal. So meaning they have redundancy Mm -hmm. where they will, because it's in their best interest, especially when they're charging you a subscription fee to keep that alive. So it hits the satellite, it relays the communications via a server, the server pushes it to another to another tower, and then that tower pushes it out to whoever you're communicating to in a text band. Um, those are super important, I think, in survival. And again, you can get them um, and then get passive accounts where you're not really using it, but you're paying a subscription fee for it, mm. if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, emergency is like smoke and, uh, and wow, What about ham radio, huh? Well, ham radio... So when I think about ham radio, I... I'm ham radio is in there, right? But mm-hmm. I think that's the standard. Like I'm using, I have the ham radio as a default. Mm-hmm. So I would say ham radio is your SOP. You always have a ham radio mm-hmm. uh, on call because that's the way you intercommunicate to other people. But also remember, because ham radio is so prevalent, uh, I would say in the underground, there's people with base stations, there's people with relay stations, mm-hmm. there's people with handsets, vehicle sets. So you're always going to be able to communicate to the right potential people inside that loop. Mm-hmm. Now, if if you want to be more advanced about it, then you have to look at the potential of, hey, you have uh, people in your inner network that have call signs, and then you have a comms plan that's that's hashed out. Like, hey, dude, if shit hits the fan, I'm going to be communicating to you every hour at the top of the hour by doing a combo shot mm-hmm. and we'll continue to follow that combo window. So shit hits the fan, you get on top of a hill, you relay in the blind, hey, this is call sign, blah, 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 this is this is this call sign, your call sign, and then you're hoping to disperse that communication. But ham radio should be, to me should be your SOP. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, actually, you brought it up there and it's a good point, but not, not um, electronic communication, but like near and far recognition signals um, when, when you're out there with your people and how to, how to recognize each other at, at the distance and far, like in a patrol base, right? Yeah. Um, how to key people in if they're lost and stuff like that. That's all under communication, uh, running passwords, you know, a laser pointer to bring people in, 
um, near and far recognition. These are standard stuff that every every eleven Bravo and and SF guy that's ever done a patrol base uh, does naturally. But it's it's a good point to to think about stuff like that before it happens. So like challenge and password kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. that type yeah. of stuff. Right. That's still communication. Yeah. It's it's uh, low vis communication type stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, hand and arm signals, yeah, super important. right, yeah. The basics. Yeah. Um, what about those rhinos? Isn't that what they're called? The, the, the radios that have a GPS built into them, where when you key it, the other person can see your location? Yeah, there's different versions of that. There's yeah. a whole bunch of different good versions of that. Mm-hmm. You just have to make sure that um, whatever that is, that it's a dependable network. Because we're, we're thinking about comms in the worst case scenario, which mm-hmm. means... The infrastructure a lot of these corporations own mm-hmm. might not have power, yeah. or might be compromised, or mm-hmm. they might shut them out. Whatever the case or instance is, that might be the situation you're in. So it's almost like how can you communicate without depending on a, an infrastructure? Well, mostly that's line of sight, mm-hmm. but what's the other uh, advantages? Like a lot of uh, Josh told me about this, but a lot of a lot of. Uh, Base stations, for example, and relay stations that do ham radio use solar power because it doesn't take a lot of power to to transpond that hit that tower and then retransmit your feed. Mm-hmm. So I never thought about that because I was thinking, hey, if the if the relay station in between me and you the power's out, then I'm only depending on line of sight, not over the horizon. But that relay station is going to be there because it's solar power, mm-hmm. which is a huge advantage. So mm. all these SMS things and all this GPS stuff is fine as long as you understand that when the infrastructure collapses, that probably is not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's comms. Okay? Yeah. It, it, it's fairly important, right? Especially for, for like you said, passive collecting um, because you could be moving towards a place that's a complete Jethole, right? That's been devastated by whatever the, the, the problem is. Yeah. And people there will tell you, man, don't come there freaking blank, right? Los Angeles, it's 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 full of zombies or whatever. And yeah. You can go a different way, right? Well, even the government is transmitting emergency yeah. management information, mm-hmm. which could not get to you any other way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah perfect. All right. Moving on. So uh, I, I broke this down into a couple of different sections and I put one on here called uh, miscellaneous, right? And I, I was kind of thinking like that's stuff you have on your kit that's accessible while you're moving. That's kind of what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. So They don't fit into a, a, not, a narrow category. Yeah, it's and it's not broad. something you'd bury in your bag, right? Yeah. It, it, it's kind of miscellaneous stuff. And and like a map and compass would be a huge one, right? Yeah. Uh, a map, compass, and a GPS. Well, let's talk about navigation. I, did we, we didn't narrow down navigation. No, we didn't. Let no. me ask you some stuff about navigation. Okay. So, you know... We learned in the military MGRS, mm-hmm. uh, American military MGRS. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you guys do lat long in Ireland. They do. No, they do. Uh, oh God, no! If I'd have thought of that, what did it do? I bet somebody will tell me. It's it's the same as MGRS. It's slightly tweaked. You know. Okay. Okay. They call that. Uh, I know Wigs 84 is the uh, the format we use. Actually, I think we did we did we did MGRS in the military, but civilians do. Whatever that acronym is, and it's it's like slightly one digit off MGRS or something, okay. you know. But uh, the military, obviously, MGRS ten digit grid gets you within within a meter, and uh, eight digit grid is like a hundred meters, I think. And yeah. and, uh, and and obviously, you need to be within a meter when you're dropping big bombs on people, you know. So um, so when you because when we do. Uh if you're doing, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, not caching, but uh, orienteering, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people orienteer 
we it's big in Europe. It's, it's not that huge. big in America, right? When I got ready for select one of the selections I went to, I prepped by going to orienteering yes. courses, and yeah. it was super interesting. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, but the scale is different. Yeah. so it's a I think mm-hmm. it's one over twelve thousandths or one over ten thousandths. Ten, I think. Yeah, or twenty five. Once to twenty five, I think, and then I think to get even bigger. Yeah, but I, we we the navigation it's not different, but the compass is different. When I was in the Irish Army, we used a silver compass, which is the flat you know, compass you can see through yes. and you lined up the grids on that. Like you didn't use a protractor. You got your grids off the map, right? Yes. Or you, you lined up your compass off the map. Um, use a protractor for grids. But uh, we went, we, we for PT, when I was in South in Ireland, we would all load on a truck and go to an orienteering competition for PT that oh, wow. day. Yeah, we, we, if it was like 20, 30 miles away, we'd go there, we'd check in, a bunch of civilians there, and we'd run the orienteering competition. Yeah, because the orienteering competition, I remember when I showed up, was speed yeah. and navigating point it's to point. It's cunning running, they call it, you yeah. know? You're, you're being smart. Cunting running? Cunning. Oh, cunning. Smart. Yeah. Cunning. Right? Cunning. Oh, Dude, cunning. You, got a filthy mind. I know, dude. It's just all this Pornhub. Pornhub's gone free premium right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's it's running and it's being smart and it's land navigation and it's a fantastic way to learn how to land nav. It really is. And and if you're like, we we put out in the last podcast, hey, any interest in learning land navigation? I had a bunch of people that DM me and be like, oh, I'd love to learn that. Well, would you, you, if you would teach navigation, like we have this bug out on foot, which we'll talk about at a latter Mm -hmm. time. We also have uh, the uh, mobility version of bug out basics, which is via vehicle. Mm -hmm. Two different considerations, really. But if you're navigating uh, map and compass, Would you would you teach MGRS and that scale, or would you teach orienteering via lat long or different kinds of maps? Like what? Uh, I man, I, I can't remember what the acronym is. That, that whatever the civilians use, that's what I would teach. Yes. And but it, the first time I got a really good land nav class was in selection in Ireland, mm-hmm. and what the guy did, he he threw the map up. And he, um, I, I, you, dude, I can't remember why I, I walked in the other room sometimes, and I can remember this yeah. from 30 That's why you have a ago. service dog. Yes, it is. You. It is, yeah. <laughs> so what the guy did, he threw the map up, and he talked about the legend and what everything means. Yeah. And then he picked a point on the map, and he's like, I want you to imagine you're walking along this road, and... I want you to tell me everything you see on the left and everything you see on the right. So you're like following this road and you're, okay, I'm walking along this road. Oh, I'm going across a bridge and there's a stream. And he's like, how big is the stream? And you go to legend. You're like, oh, it's a small stream. Okay, got it. Okay, uh, what's the ground on your right doing? It's rising on my right and it's dropping on my left. And and everybody in the class did that and everybody else had to follow along. And at any time he'd switch to, boom, Glover carry on, you know, and if you didn't know where he was, he'd smoke the shit out of you and you'd be standing on your chair with your rifle up over your head, you know, mm-hmm. so it was motivational, but it gives you a great, it's a great way to understand the map. Just put yourself on the ground like you're doing that Google Street View, right? And you're walking along the map and you're seeing everything you see and what that does, and you know this, um, what that does, it stops you overshooting a target where, where like you don't just put the map, you, you shoot the compass and you go. And if you're dealing with big terrain features, and sometimes you can do that, but it's always good to keep in mind that, okay, uh, why did I cross a stream? I did not see that on the map and maybe I overshot my target, you know, and maybe that's a backstop for you. So I think that's a great way to start and introduce people to the map and so they can get used to what, what all the symbols mean if they've never done land navigation before. Yeah, I think that's key. I think when you when you do terrain association where you 
understand what you see versus topographically what it yeah. means yeah. and analyzing contour mm-hmm. lines, et cetera. That relationship of getting the uh, the visual representation of that leading into maps is super important because that's how I learned navigation is in terrain association. Yeah. And then, you know, when we're in the wood line, like even in SFAS and, mm-hmm. and special forces selection, it's all dead reckoning, right? It's yeah. all via, mm-hmm. you, you can't see a hundred meters in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you have to go off an azimuth. Mm-hmm. But I think what's important for navigation is teaching dead reckoning versus terrain association, the relationship of the two, and that you could use any, like, People don't realize without azimuth, you don't need azimuth. You need cardinal direction. Mm -hmm. So if you understand cardinal direction, if you have a map and compass, um, you could basically use that understanding where the terrain is to your left and right uh, and then be able to move through the woods effectively. Mm -hmm. Those basics are essential, but you have to go through certain processes Mm -hmm. to learn that. In fact, I recommend everybody, if you haven't done so already, pick up a field manual, uh, Army land navigation uh, manual, off of Amazon, you can get it pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget, it's like 21 dash something. That is going to set you up for navigation. Actually, I think it's the same as the Ranger Handbook. It used to be the same nomenclature. It's like 2176, something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that'd be good for yeah, you. Yeah, and that, that'll stop you getting lost. Because when you get lost, it's a motherfucker to kind of find yourself, right? It, it's Well, talk to us about uh, pace count. Because pace count is... You know, there's one thing in moving, mm-hmm. but if you don't know how far you've moved, yeah. then you don't really understand. Yeah, where you're yeah. On and and again, if you're in big mountains where I shoot an azimuth or I get my compass bearing and I look at the mountain in front of me and I'm going to the top of that mountain, I don't need the pace count. I know where I'm going. The, the, the map tells me that mountain's three clicks away. The the, the compass uh, points directly at it. I'm good. Yeah. Right? I know. And even at night, I can stay on Asmund. And as long as I'm going uphill, I'm, I'm going to hit that. But when you're in tight terrain and you really need to know if you went 400 meters or 1,000 meters or 500 meters because I'm going to a trail in the woods. And if I hit a trail at 600 meters instead of 700 meters and I bang a right and I handrail that trail down, now I'm lost, right? So you really need to know how far you've gone. And then uh, you need to know what your pace count. Now, my pace count is 62 uh, steps on my left foot is a hundred meters, right? That that's yours is probably less because you're taller than me, right? But you need to know what your pace count is, and then you just every time your left foot hits the ground, you you, you count, and then you need to mark it on a piece of paper, or have some ranger beads, or have some knots in a, in a five, piece of five fifty cord, because sure as hell you'll get it eight hundred meters, and you'll be like, damn, was that eight hundred or six hundred? Yeah, because you were thinking about what are thinking. ranger beads. For people who don't know. It, they're like a little piece of 550 cord with beads on them and you just pull You're them. just tracking like an yeah. abacus. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you're just walking. tracking. Okay, now I've gone. Every time you go 100 meters, you boom, you pop it up like yeah. that. Or take a rock. Like so I've seen techniques yeah. like you have rocks in your left pocket. Mm-hmm. You take out a rock every time you hit 100 meters, put it in your right pocket, mm-hmm. open your pocket and see what you got. You say, hey, I got four rocks. I've gone 400 meters-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to be real anal about it, um, because you like anal. Um, and you talked about beads, so. And I was going to go there. <laughs> I know you were. I beat you to it. You could, you could go and do your pace count at different scales of walking. Running, walking, jogging, walking in elevation. Walking with different weights. Different you know, weights. Different weights on you for uh, timing, your, how long it takes you, you know. Mm. Like, if I'm, like I said, if I'm shooting an asthma up a mountain, and, you know, I should know that I've been walking for an hour how far I, I, yes. I think I've gone, you know? Yeah. But again, you're, you're thinking about uh, terrain as you move. And we, we used to fill, we used to use this thing called, uh, uh, what was it called? Fuck. 
a terrain graph or something like that. And it, it was a, like you would do all your, 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 you would plan your route. It was a route card, it was called, right? Yeah, you plot. And, and you'd plot and it would go to, from, azimuth, distance, pace count, and then it would be description of ground. So, and, and w- so I wouldn't have to keep going back to the map. I'd map my five legs or my 10 legs to my next checkpoint. And then I'd put it all on this route card and I'd have the route card accessible with my map. So I'm tracking where I'm going. But as I'm going, my description of ground says, uh, okay, you're going uphill. And if at any time I'm going downhill or flat, I'd be like, ooh, something's wrong, right? And then I wouldn't have to go back in and remember, I could go, okay, I get to that first leg is done. I go to the next leg and I go, okay, to from uh, here to here. My next azimuth is 17 degrees. Um, the distance is... 800 meters so i know what that that is in pace count and then the description of ground is okay the ground's going to be rising to my right and dropping to my left and i'm going to cross three streams on this leg yeah so that's checking me in to keep myself it's it's much easier to keep yourself from getting lost than it is to find yourself after you're lost so if you shoot an azimuth and you just put your compass away and start boogieing i've seen the best navigators in the world get lost there was a buddy of mine in ireland he was the all ireland orienteering champion he was in my unit and we were doing this big movement across the mountains easy land nav big mountain to big mountain to big mountain and he sat down to eat chow and he had an azimuth on the next mountain and when he packed his stuff up whatever way he moved he was pointing at another mountain and he didn't check his azimuth Oh, and he wow. just got up and rucked up and boom, gone. And I remember we all got into the checkpoint at the end and we're like, who's missing? And I'm not going to say his name and embarrass him, but uh, they were like, how could he be missing? He's like so good at land up, but he was so cocky that uh, he just he just thought, because that mountain looked exactly like that mountain. Had he checked his azimuth, he would have saved himself like six hours. Anybody can get lost if you switch off and just go into internal mode like you do when you're jogging or something like that. So it's much easier to keep yourself found then find yourself i don't know if you've ever been lost man it's a mother scary you gotta go you gotta backtrack to a known point yeah where you knew exactly where you were now that might be four hours back yeah. to where you knew exactly where you were because sometimes you'll backtrack and you'll hit a stream and they'll be like, okay this stream and you can shoot an azimuth on the stream and then there's a road off and you can shoot them be like this fits and there's high ground right but it might not be right, you know. Would you would you still recommend for equipment wise? Because we got the map, the compass. I, I I recommend that everybody has topographical maps for the environment around your current location, around your house. Like my mm-hmm. house is backed by two million acres plus of BLM. Yeah. So I need to have the imagery, the maps. You can go to a ranger station and get these. You can go on Google Earth. Mm-hmm. You can go on uh, websites that are designed to print you topographical maps. So a map case compass protractor for me because i I do mgrs stuff Mm -hmm. um i could set the azimuth via that that route what about electronic garments and gps equipment absolutely i'd I'd always have a gps but if that thing dies batteries die uh, contingency planning right you need to know so your primary primary is going to be i'm assuming either your phone or a garmin gps device i'm so comfortable with land nav i'd probably land nav with my map and compass but it's nice to know that i have that gps in my pocket turned off that if I do get to a point, you can where map check yourself. You can map check. Yeah. yeah. If I get to a good. point where I'm like, man, uh, this was supposed to go uphill and it's flat, then then maybe this is the wrong spot. I can pull that GPS out, turn it on, lock my position in, and then go from there. You know, um, that that's what I would use it for. But I'm very comfortable navigating. Is there? I mean, when we, I remember uh, when we used to do combat operations in Iraq, we used to. 
you know, we would navigate via our four tracks. Yeah, and we had yeah. a, we had a tiny little compass on our wrist. Remember that? Yes, yeah. That gave you general direction. Yeah. So you could say, "Hey, I've got." Fire coming from the east because you can look at your ma- you look at your little compass. wrist compass really really quickly and give it cardinal direction to a bird. Yeah. yeah, so that was super important in relaying and disseminating information as it related to you. So a button compass, like mm-hmm. I run a Sunto button compass on my Solomon boots all the time, and that's just redundancy for me. Where it's on my shoe, it's mm-hmm. a dual purpose because I wear my shoes all the time. Mm-hmm. So if I'm putting on my boot by characteristic of how it fits. I don't have to worry about it. It's there. Mm-hmm. But I want a standard compass as well. Do you yeah. recommend the... Um, so I like the silver compass. The I silver mean, the compa- military compass yeah. is an old compass. What is the military compass called? It's a... Uh, what, what is that term? Damn, dude. Uh, a, something, something in. Biz, uh, uh, maybe the guys on Facebook Live will let mm, us know. It's a... Uh, what is it? You know what I'm talking about? It's like a... Crap, I forget the name. I know, TVI. Yeah, well, well you open us. it and then lensetic. Yeah. Lensetic compass. compass. Yeah. yeah, you can shoot an azimuth and point it like really, really accurately. Yeah, and look through a lens yes. that looks through the azimuth. Yes, that's real accurate. And that has an aiming stick. You, yeah, you don't need to be that accurate for navigation. You could pull out a, a silver compass, line it up and go, boom, that's where I'm going. You yeah. know, you got that arrow pointing. We will be um, teaching, just so you guys know, we will be teaching in Bug Out Basics, which is sold out right now, but also... In the uh, bug out on foot land navigation because yeah. it's just a staple it's of so all important. Stuff. Yeah, it really is. All right, let's move um, on. I, I just last on on compass. You need to make sure understand that metal will throw your compass off. I ran yeah. into a British soldier when I was in the Irish Army up on the border, and he had an M sixteen, so he was probably in the SAS or something. But he had a compass mounted on his weapon, like on the handguard oh, in gosh. the front. And I remember the NCOs was like, "Doesn't that throw off your azimuth?" They're like, "No." <laughs> Yep. He lifts it up and it just spins. I know. Like, oh, wow. It's like, damn, what's I'm wrong with this? A, yeah, yeah. In a circle. But uh, map and compass. Okay, moving on. So um, now we're talking about the uh, miscellaneous. Yes. What, what's the fir- what's your first item on your miscellaneous? Map and compass. Moving on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just threw a bunch of things on a list here. Yeah. And some of them are uh, smart and some of them are not. But um, I didn't know what category to put this in, but hard copies of family photos. I huh. put in, yeah, because digital, co- everything's on your phone. Yeah. And can you imagine if something catastrophic happened and everything just shut the fuck down, which yeah. is so unlikely, but hey, maybe, you know, and you lost every photograph you ever had. Yeah. So it might not be a bad idea to print out some family photographs. Yeah, it's good for and, morale. Yeah, hard copy them mm. and, or maybe laminate them and, and, and put them in a, in, in a pouch somewhere. Binos, um, I see binos you got down. Binos, yeah. Why would you use binos? Uh, recce routes, check out threats ahead of you yeah. um the uh you can measure distance actually with binos if you know what you're doing well on the topic of binos what what binos because we used to use binos i had leupold binos mm-hmm. all the time that we would use for spot assessing seeing mm-hmm. we would use, even use potentially the optic on our guns which we're going to talk about in a bit yeah. but is there a specific set would you use binos with Range finding capability. What would you use? Yeah, I think that would be a great idea if you if you have it. But you don't want them too big and bulky. You want them small and light because you're going to uh, every every ounce is gonna ounces ounces lead ounces make pounds and pounds make pain. Yeah, right. That's I don't know where I heard that, but I like that. That's yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I saw when I was doing a lot of sniper stuff, Terry, who was my sniper partner, had a little like ten power 
small optic, like monocular. Monocular. I have that same one. And he hung it around his neck. Mm -hmm. And it's just pick it up, scan a little bit, see what's up ahead. And and put it, you know, you can hang it on a a cord around your neck and stick it down your shirt. And just pop it up every now and again and scan. Small, it's light, it's convenient. Um, and you don't have to carry a big pair of binos. Yeah, you know, part of the bugging out thing is you're you're not intentionally, at least from our perspective, wanting to do link-ups with people you don't know. No, if no, there's If there's no. a lot of people bugging out from urban centers into mm-hmm. rural environments, you're with your competition in the woods. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe I'm antisocial, but I don't want to fucking meet people in the woods right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I'm yeah. up in the middle of nowhere and I see somebody far, far off, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid them. I'm trying to avoid them because he might be a hunter that might fucking shoot me or, or God knows what the fuck yeah. is going on. So yeah. I'm going to scan it. I'm going to assess the situation from a distance. Yes. And then uh, maybe, maybe adjust my route accordingly. Yeah. You know? So I think some way of, of magnifying of of scanning at a distance is important. And if you've got an optic on your weapon, like we'll talk about later on, maybe that's enough, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, in no particular order here, gum. I wrote down here, and I think we talked about this last time. I like chewing gum, especially when I haven't brushed my teeth for a couple of days. Yeah. It gets that fur. like It feels like fur on your teeth, and it, 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 feel, it makes you feel clean, right? Yeah. I like gum. Um, what else I got? What do you got at the bottom? Pen Not, and paper. I got pen, paper, binos. Uh, well, so pen and paper. Let's talk about pen and paper because yeah. I I always use write in the rain everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I there's different versions of write in the rain. Our survival kit has a write in the rain small notebook. Mm-hmm. And people used to ask me, they're like, hey, well, why would you have a write in the rain? Like, you're not going to write your dear John letter or your mm-hmm. or your hey, this is my last day diary. But what you would do is reference all the things that are important via that notepad prior, pre-planned wise mm-hmm. of what's going on. Yeah. So I yeah. think I think it's super important. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to do a reconnaissance operation and not have important numbers yep. potentially annotated or referenceable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the same thing applies to to bugging out in a in a certain circumstance. Yeah. Um, Denman mentioned something on here which we've talked about before, which is what's the destination you know uh, i we talk about er, like bugging out isn't how we bugged out in special operations this no, is not what we're no, talking about no that was more escape and evasion almost yeah, you know? yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. you're we're, not in you're in a permissive potential we, we were getting away from something in special ops whereas here we're going to something we're going to yeah, something and we're getting away from yeah, something yeah yeah because yeah. so here's the here's the analogy here is here's a good example i i used to live in uh i used to live in northern california and I, where I lived, which was in Jackson, California, it was super rural, mm-hmm. but it was only an hour and a half outside of San Francisco. San Francisco, with a densely populated metropolitan area of seven plus million people, in 90 minutes, I could be in a situation where I'm completely rural. Mm-hmm. Well, the circumstance that we're talking about and the example that we're giving is, it, th- look, bugging out isn't necessary. We're talking worst case scenarios here, mm-hmm. but this could be anything like, you're in San Francisco and a fucking earthquake happens. Yes. So if you're in an earthquake in mm-hmm. San Francisco, there's three main corridors that feed and, and exfil from, from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Your car's pulled over the, the road. You have options. If I, I worked in San Francisco for Oracle all the time. I'm in San Fran, shit goes bad. What do I do? Well, I'm not going to sit in traffic for a day, mm-hmm. two days, well, three that, days. That answers the question. What's the destination? Anywhere but there. Anywhere but the yeah, bad circumstance. Yeah, yeah. So in this in this situation, I would bug out from San Francisco. And what we're talking about is, do you have the equipment and capability to sustain your travel 
right, over a segment or period of time. In this mm-hmm. case, an hour and a half via driving and probably an entire day of walking, maybe mm-hmm. two days, mm-hmm. to get back to my rural environment of Jackson, California. Yep. Now, this could be mobile. This could be on foot. But those considerations, if you plan for the worst case, take care of everything in between. In Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta shut down with one inch of ice on the roads. Mm -hmm. So those people who would have been prepared in the worst case with a bug out bag could have said, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and wait for first responders to come. And they never came Mm -hmm. in traffic locked down for days, which they there's some people who waited for days Mm -hmm. on the highways. Yeah. I'm just going to put on my rucksack and fucking walk home. I'm going to go. That's your new destination. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be like, we don't want to think very small here. This isn't just about like the apocalyptic scenario. This is everyday shit that happens all across America Mm -hmm. all the fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the blackout in New York, you know, a couple of years ago. Like remember all those thousands of people walking home, you know, because everything shut down, all the trains and everything. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been in San Francisco when they've had bad accidents where I've Mm -hmm. sat in traffic for six hours Mm. where I actually consider, I'm like, dude, can, can I just pull this bitch over and mm-hmm. leave this car? I'll come back, mm. but I'm not going to sit here. Like, how long am I going to sit? Yeah. Well, if the answer is you just don't know and then you're not prepared, then you are at the mercy of that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 You know, Travis was in B23 with us, obviously, but I know he was in first group first. And I, I'd love to, I wonder if, if working in those volatile countries like Thailand and down yeah. there, if they had contingency plans for getting out of that because i've never walked oh, they in have that to part. Have, yeah, yeah right yeah yeah i would imagine so but yeah. uh, and those I, are the worst kind of environments because it's the environment a fucking coup yeah <laughs> a coup yeah. or a fucking tsunami yeah i mean yeah. dude the, the, yeah. one day you're vacationing the next day you're hit by a tsunami and there's no infrastructure yes what's your yeah. fucking plan yeah well yeah. Your, your plan you better have a plan to bug out or and don't and you'll just fucking suffer it's gonna be months before the infrastructure comes back in yes. a country like that you yeah know? absolutely so, yeah um, and again, don't know where to put all this stuff, but M95 mask, maybe that's in your miscellaneous yes, bag, you know? Yeah. Well, a lot of people have, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I say a lot of people, people in our community have masks laying around, but when you talk about the different circumstances to give you the tactical advantage, which we'll talk about in a bit, mm-hmm. dude, t- there's entire operational units who have mastered tear gas mm-hmm. and have mastered the techniques and tactics to be able to operate when nobody else could breathe, mm-hmm. let alone see um, and disorient them as a tactical advantage. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for all the tactical advantages. Absolutely, yeah. Um, there's a lot of... That's... Oh, let's talk about the hatchet. Okay, a hatchet I have at the bottom, yeah. Yeah. And an axe. Well, I, man, I wish you can carry uh, a 15 or 13-pound chainsaw, um, but then you have to look at the fuel, you have to look at spare chains, and it's just not realistic. Now, mobility, is, which we'll talk about later on, is a, a completely different segment, but I would always want to have a... They call them the new versions of these are called framers hatchet. There's different versions of them, but a framers hatchet essentially has a a hammer on one head or one end, which is a hammer head, versus the other side, which is a hatchet. Now, I've talked to survival experts about this, and and um, for the most part, you can't get this type of equipment in the wood line. You're not going to be able to have the ability to cut, splice, lever, get leverage, a wedge. Uh, smash, and the list goes on. But a small hatchet can cover all those things. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I was just cutting wood at the house the other day, and I used my little handheld hatchet, which I've carried in go bags and I've carried in my vehicle forever. Mm-hmm. And I was just chopping down a small branch that had fell off the top of a tree on my, in my uh, dirt driveway and smashed it and broke it. Mm-hmm. And I never would have realized, I never realized the weakness of that particular hatchet, mm-hmm. which bummed me out, number one, because I paid a lot of good money for it. But two, um, you there's always new means of doing stuff. Like there's synthetic hatchets, like mm-hmm. Fisker, which is a subsidiary. I think the owner of Gerber is a Fisker uh, company that feeds Gerber. Mm-hmm. But Fisker has a hatchet that's all plastic. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I looked at that. I'm like, I'm not, I'll never carry that. But it's probably more reliable in the long term. Than, lighter. Yeah, and mm-hmm. lighter than just wood and a, and a hatchet. And I'm, I'm a traditionalist, and I love old shit. Mm-hmm. But you might want to look at a small Fisker hatchet that has plastic that you could use uh, as a as a means to do all those things that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm probably leaning towards in my in my new setup is a Fisker hatchet. Okay, couple, I'm not not, couple, not paid by Fisker. A couple more five fifty cord, and that could be in your shelter stuff. But it's always handy to have five fifty cord or bungees. Yeah. It's super convenient. The guts is cordage. The, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many things have you tied down with five fifty cord? Uh, <laughs> I've done more uses. People, people yeah. have never been in the military. Don't understand. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, even integrating them into your laces. I mean, as cheesy as I used to make fun of people who did that. Yeah. But now I look at myself and how much I travel outdoors in rural areas. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck not? Mm. Like, what's yeah. the big deal? Why not? Yeah. Um, we did. We talk knives. We did. We talked knives last time. Yep. Uh, Leatherman tool. Uh, what about a saw? What about those little thing with hand the saws? Little, that little, what do you call that thing with the two rings on it? And that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that a hand saw? Yeah, it's a hand okay, saw. Okay, yeah, yeah. Very, they, very small, very light, but yeah. I don't know how reliable they are. They get stuck in the wood. I remember they using do them get stuck. years ago. Yeah. Um, they they have all the shits made in China, man. There's no mm-hmm. real good companies that make this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if you go on and you put any search for survival kits, ninety percent of all the survival kits you see in a Google search especially the ones that are packaged with a whole bunch of crap in it. Mm-hmm. They're all made in China. It's all garbage. But I would have that personally because, um, you know, outside of, one thing that Kevin Estella and I mentioned this last time said is if you have a hatchet, you run the danger of cutting your fucking hand off. Yeah. Just ma- having an accident that's catastrophic, there are going to be circumstances where I don't want to whack away at wood. Mm-hmm. I want to use something that I, like a handsaw. And it's minimal weight, man. It's it's like nothing. So why mm-hmm. not? Why not? So I know you have some expertise in this that I don't have. Um, lockpick kit. Yes. Can you buy a lockpick kit as a civilian? You can online. Uh, there's a lot of places that sell them. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, there's oh. there's some states that, legal, that that you're not supposed to or allowed to have it. How hard is it? And I've picked locks before and I've done some training on it, but I know you've done much, much more. How hard would it be for somebody to learn how to pick a lock, a padlock? It's easy. Yeah. It's easy. It, I know certain padlocks are easier than others, obviously. Yeah. You know? I yeah. was talking to Gina about this recently because she wanted to get into it. Mm-hmm. And I've been to... Uh, whole bunch of surreptitious entry courses where they set you up, they teach you, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what I would say about lock picking is you can get a standard lock pick set that teaches you how to um, uh, one shim locks, which is the best way to get through a lock, but also lock pick tumblers and how tumblers work. Mm-hmm. Once you understand the principle of yep. how it works, it's pretty easy. Yeah, you're just applying leverage and then pushing each pin down individually. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. It's how a key works. I've even yeah. done courses where 
there's a way and a technique to insert a blank into it. If you have the right key, like mm -hmm. a schlag key, you could insert that key, rattle the key. There's a way to rattle it and you pull it out and you could see the impressions mm -hmm. of the tumblers on that and then use a hand file to file down, reset it, to do it again. To make your own key. To make your own key. Yeah, yeah. And I've yeah. done I've done it before and it's not that difficult to you do. You can re, once you open it, you can re-lock like a padlock. You can, you can put it that... Um, like the person who owns that lock can come along and they'll, they, it'll open for them. Like nothing's wrong, Yeah. but it, you've, you've basically hollowed out the inside of it. So your key works as well. Yeah. 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 And it's like anything else, right? You can go balls deep in this. You can. Yeah. You can go down a rabbit hole. But at a very, very basic level, you think that would be something worth having and I, I worth would. investing the time. I would. Cause I, you could have a, you could have a, uh, I believe they're calling it a scraper, but you could have basically the turn tool, which is the means in which you have to insert it to turn it out. And then you could have the lock pick mechanism mm -hmm. to where you, you're, you're scraping the uh, tumblers to get mm -hmm. it set. Total and all, it's like a couple pieces. Now you could make that too, mm -hmm. um, but it's just better to have that specific equipment. And then the last thing I would have is a um, a couple wedges. I mean, there's there's different tools and wedges. You know how people credit card doors yeah. and locking mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Those kind of tools are dual purpose, man. You mm -hmm. can get you can get a wedge, a good piece of a wedge is a piece of plastic from like a trapper keeper, mm -hmm. where you could set it high in the door and scrape it down, or from behind. All those things are relative to your circumstance and situation. But I imagine if you're bugging out in a bad circumstance. Um, depending on where you're at in the world, you might have to go through different locking mechanisms uh, and, and fortify your positions, rest overnight, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember one of my guys in my team went to one of those courses and he came back and he walked in through the back door of my team room and he stuck something under the door and looped it up and opened up the door. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a hanger system. Yeah. And they use it for hotels. That you yeah. Can, it's basically, the we used to conceal them in... Um, you know, the, 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 uh, bags that you carry clothes in, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a garment bag. Mm -hmm. You can conceal them into a hotel room. You stop, you turn, you shimmy the whole thing under and then unlatch the door. Cause yeah. it's a latched, most commercial doors. You work have that way. to, because of the, the Americans with disability act, the, the door has yes. to be made that way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you can go down a rabbit hole and a, I, I like it, but I don't want to spend a lot of money and time and on it's, it. It's big and bulky too. It's big yeah, and bulky yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the last thing I was thinking about was one of those uh, tools that turn on faucets outside. You know those, that it's on some buildings, they have outside faucets, but you need a special tool to turn them on. Yes. And I was thinking maybe that would be a good thing to have to fill up jugs of water or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, and then maybe the, a siphoning hose for gasoline. If yeah. I, but I don't know if I'd siphon gasoline out of a car. Maybe I'd just crawl underneath and punch a hole in the fuel tank yeah. and let it fucking pour out. Yeah, I, I, I'm not trying to save the fucking car, right? Yeah, um, I don't like the taste of gasoline. You know, I really don't like swallowing. Well, they, we asked somebody asked us that question recently because we we put out on Philcraft Mobility a bulb system that pumps a gallon a minute mm -hmm. um, from one container to wherever it at wherever it is, and we have a a 12 gallon flat container that you could carry in the back of your truck. Because mm -hmm. people were asking me, "Hey, Mike, you have a Titan, you have a a transfer flow tank." You have all these tanks, and these tanks are thousands of dollars, and, and there's no doubt they're expensive. So what's the poor man's version? Well, the poor man version is you can get a flat pack container off Amazon for like 75 bucks. You can get the tubes, the bulbs, and everything else for about 115 total out the door. 
and you can have the spare gasoline. So if I'm mobile, I always want to retain that. That's that's super important. Mm, okay. Guns. Um, Let's go guns. The last thing is is personal security, right? Self-defense, yeah. So self-defense and uh, worst case scenario or, or pretty bad case scenario. And again, when, when resources run out, it's going to be bad. People are going to... Desperate, right? Hungry, hunger is a good motivator, right? So let's talk about weapons. What's your base? I thought about this. I, I don't know if I want to be the guy who has a survival gun. Because survival gun... So here's... here's and You're this, talking like a little twenty two. Yes. I saw Neil put on there. He's like, hey, I don't want a twenty two. I want security. Dude, if I shoot you in the face with a twenty two. You're fucking, you're done. Right? Yeah. Well, you could fight through it, right? Maybe. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I got shot in the face with a 22, whether I'd be trying to rob somebody, you know? Yeah. But I, I get his point. Yeah. It, it comes down, honestly, to weight mm-hmm. as a weight consideration. Look, if you have a 22, you can kill small game. You could shoot people in the face. You could, uh, uh, for in self-defense, obviously. And then you could upgrade your circumstance and situation. Mm-hmm. When I think about this, where is the ethical line, right? Like you come across a guy who has resources and assets and you're fighting for survival. I'm not trying to come across anybody, mm-hmm. right? If you've done so smartly, I'm trying to avoid everybody. Yeah. Even if we're talking about the San Francisco into uh, Jackson, California, my objective is to stay as far away from people as possible, but there as, might be a circumstance. As long as your resources don't run out. As long as your resources, if your don't, resources don't run out, you're going to have to go into a populated area and, and yeah. maybe, right? Unless you're yeah. really good at living off the land and bushcraft. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 in part of my setup, I have a slingshot as part of mine mm-hmm. because it's good for foul. Like I've grew up. Like people are like, oh, you can't you know, slingshot. Yeah, that breeze well. No, I grew up shooting slingshots and killing fucking birds and killing squirrels. I'll be okay, and it's such a light piece of equipment mm. that it's good for those kind of uh, circumstances. How far away can you hit a squirrel with that thing? Uh, twenty-five yards. Really? Yeah. Wow. If you have the marbles or the mm-hmm. or the ball bearings, mm. dude, I, I could take a fucking squirrel off a fucking uh, gate at twenty-five yards. Nice. And I grew up doing it. Yeah. But uh, so I'm thinking redundancy. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about using a bullet on small game because I'm not even thinking about food, mm-hmm. right? If I have to, if I'm desperate for food, I'm not going to be fucking hunting squirrels in the wood line. I'm probably going to be coming into more populated, densely uh, uh, structured areas and taking resources, mm-hmm. acquiring whatever I need to. Mm-hmm. Not saying it won't ever happen, but I'm thinking about self-defense, not in the context of survival. I mean, I, in, in feeding myself or procuring game. I'm thinking about it, defending my life away from a human being. So protecting your resources. Protecting right, my resources. Right, Is a handgun enough? I, I think when you look at the breakdown of what we're talking about weight-wise with mm-hmm. bugging out and the, the, the less is more approach, I think it is. But I think you have to choose the right handgun. I think you have to choose the right caliber. Uh, mine, mine personally would probably be a Glock 17. Mm-hmm. I'd have a Glock 17 and I'd have uh, at least a combat load. For mm-hmm. a pistol for us, it's four magazines. Uh, I'd have base plates on those guns. I'd have a light mounted to the gun for use. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd have a full-size frame. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a J-point that doesn't use a lot of light. Like a, So we, we've gone full circle in pistol calibers and the yeah. U.S. government at SOCOM and the FBI and everything, right? And it was all about 9 mil years ago. And then it was 10 mil. And then it was 45, and it was 45 before it was 9 mil, obviously, right? And we come around. That the, the caliber right now, and the FBI did a huge study, 9 mil. Yeah. 9 mil. But why is the, that now? It's just stopping power, man. It, it's got more energy, and it's it's going faster, right, than a big, heavy 45 that's coming out of uh, subsonic. But um, 
national mission force, nine mil, right? I shot a guy at nine mil as close as I am to you in mm-hmm. Somalia with an MP5. That fucker dropped like a rock. Now, yeah. he was really, really skinny and he's probably 70 pounds soaking wet, but it will take somebody down. And again, it's a big ass bullet moving really, really quickly. Yeah. So you get all these experts that are like 40 cal, nine mil won't kill anybody. Yeah. How many people do you shot with nine mil there, buddy? Yeah. None. Yeah. I have. It well, will it, fucking drop someone. But, and also, too, they're they're arguing through a lens that was 10 years old. Yeah. You know, yeah, when yeah. we were thinking about those considerations a long time ago, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of projectile evolution via, mm-hmm. via small arms. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can get a... Uh, bonded ammo, synthetic that are mm-hmm. doing things to create damage and destroy targets. Yeah, yeah. there's so many runs have. out there. Yeah, um, our yeah. old option was ball. Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's all you have yeah. is ball. Yeah. Um, so well, I mean, if you if you're, what are you thinking as as far as this? I, I have. Are you thinking long gun? So a, a handgun's a no brainer, right? Yeah. Absolute, because I can conceal it. I can, I can, I can. You know, it, it's an absolute no brainer. I will tell you that I'd be very, very tempted to take a five five six gun with a folding stock. I took that. Triarch on that trip. You you remember I was like, hey, I need a I need a truck gun for this. And all I have is big yeah. 16, 14, 5, 16 I gave inch you my guns. truck gun, right? Yeah, you give me your Triarch, right? Ten point five. Yes, with a folding stock. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's got a um, law tactical a law folder. tactical folder. Yeah. And when I pulled it out to say if it had no optic on it, so I threw that M sixty eight on it. And I was like, eh, it'll be close enough. When I was up there in Utah, I pulled it out and I shot, you know, to have those targets there. Bang, I was fucking ringing steel out to 100 yards. I nice. was like, not bad for just throwing an optic on. Yeah. Usually if you take an optic off a gun and don't fuck with it a little bit and put it on another gun, it's it's all generally lined yeah, up. You're and on paper. At you're least. on paper. It's not yeah. perfectly lined up. So that's such a small little folder. How many mags? I took four. Man, I took my body on. I don't know why, but, but oh, on that, um, you know, at least four. At least four. Probably seven, but ammunition's heavy. But I, I would I would probably want to take seven mags. Um, Are you taking the rifle and embedding it into the rucksack? I'm assuming because yes, you yeah. have to take it and go. So that because I, I I and we're gonna articulate this and when we do the breakdown for the video. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between like what you pack in your ruck and what you need readily available. Yes, right? your handguns readily available yeah. for the it's guy in your who, fanny pack. Yeah, for the guy who comes around the corner and. It's in your EDC bag, right? We talked about that. Maybe when you get the, you have the EDC bag on your front, even if you have a rucksack. Yeah, it's like your chest rig now. Chest rig now, yeah. yeah. So that's for the guy who comes around the corner, man, and, and with a gun, and you got to react like really, really quickly. And yeah, I wouldn't carry my rifle. What optic would you use on that on that folding stock? Mm. Magnification or none? Uh, no, probably not on a short barrel. Because like the that. waist, because the weight, the weight, and then you, you're you're restricted by uh, ballistics, right? So I think anything you need it for is is really close. I'm not a fan of magnifiers for for like an EOTech. I don't magnifier. like the weight. I don't like the weight. I, I just I don't like, and some people like them, and that's this is purely my opinion. Anytime you're in a gunfight and you have to do something, like I gotta pop this up to magnify, I just I I, I never really like that, you know. Um, I like a magnified optic, but for that, I'd run a red dot. So you're going to run a pistol with mags and then a carbine with mags. Yeah. That's your contingency. Yes. And I backup irons, always, always, always backup irons on the rifle because optic goes out, bangs off a tree, you fall down a cliff, you know what I mean? I always, always, always need backup irons. People always ask me, why don't you run backup optics, me personally, Mm -hmm. on my guns when I train? 
And really, it's a ba- it's a bad answer, but it's a training gun for me, and I don't ever expect that. Backup the- optics, optics. You mean a red dot on your pistol? No, no, no. Oh. Backup iron sights on my oh, carbine. Okay. I don't run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and sometimes, like when I'm running the LA5 or mm-hmm. Appel mm-hmm. Uh, on the gun. I just don't. There's not enough space. I yeah. don't like recessing my LA5. It it doesn't front of the it doesn't barrel. fit into your training plan, right? Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not a, a go. And I've never seen it fail. I've never had an optic fail. Mm-hmm. In really, not, besides my own mistake, like not turning on my optic. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking I, you fall down a hill or something when you're climbing yeah. and you bust that thing. And how know? much would it? I mean, a couple bucks and a cup. Like, I mean, no mm-hmm. weight at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I would be. I'd have to look at the weights again. And when we do this for real and we pack rocks, it's going to be very interesting because that's my decider, right? And it, it also depends on how bad the situation is I'm bugging out for. If it's an earthquake and I'm trying to get out of the city, maybe I don't need a carbine, right? Maybe a handgun's enough. And maybe in place of all that weight, I carry a few extra mags for my handgun, right? Um, it depends on how bad the situation is. If I If I think... Uh, things have gotten bad enough that I'm no shit going to have to fight for my life, then I'm taking a car one. Absolutely. I'll carry the weight. I'll yeah. suck it up. Yeah. Now, one of the considerations we talked about in bugging out is you're going to have your vehicle mm-hmm. for as long as you can. Yeah. Now, th- those those variables vary depending on where you live, but it could be, like, let's just hold on to the San Francisco idea. You're driving out of San Francisco and you get you get locked in traffic mm-hmm. and now you have the no ability to get off the roads because you can't go off-road, you're, you're gridlocked. Mm-hmm. So you're going to leave your, your vehicle behind. But if you have the ability to retain your, your platform, no matter what it is, then keep it. What I tell people is, like, I like this redundant transportation idea, which is if I have, like, for my truck, I have a KTM 450 motorcycle. I, I, they have hitches um, that it has the, uh, the carrying capacity on my hitch the, the tongue weight to carry a full-size motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Now imagine you go to bug out and you're in a circumstance like that, but you could drop that ramp, mm-hmm. pull my motorcycle off, mm-hmm. throw my bu- rucksack on my back and mm-hmm. then bug out on my, on a bike. Yeah. That, yeah. that I mean, dude, I've been in, I've been in circumstances. I, I grew up on dirt bikes. I've been in circumstances in Colorado by myself where I've hauled my bike out and my vehicle broke down. And then I was like, Oh shit, let me just, so I get on my bike and then I drive down to the mechanic. Is like, hey man, I'm in a, a, a shitty situation. My truck's broke down. Like, okay, we'll send the tow truck. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh shit, maybe I should have thought about this. Mm-hmm. So even having a bicycle, yeah, a, bicycle, a mountain bike, a yeah. mountain bike, mm-hmm. yeah. um, as the means of your transportation. One thing I didn't like when we were in special operations, uh, when I went, when I stood up the SIFT C210. We started doing things on bikes because we mm-hmm. were doing airfield seizure. We were doing rapids infills with C-130s. Mm-hmm. The Ranger Regiment. I don't know if they still they use do. bikes, but I know Travis used bikes when Travis he was in the Travis used bikes. Yeah. The, they do airfield seizures. They have a whole mm-hmm. uh, uh, node or element that goes in on bikes. We should have been using bikes, but we bikes aren't even in our fucking inventory. No, they're not. We no. had to use. Mm-hmm. We had to borrow from JSOC just to get the bikes. I sent my guys to motorcycle school. Um, and then we had the capability of pushing bikes out of an airplane mm-hmm. and infilling with a bike. Like, why would you not do that? Well, mm-hmm. I don't. I digress because we should have had them. Yeah. But when so, I I think about bicycles now and electric bikes and all that yeah, other shit. Now. Yeah, yeah. And and you know you want to take your vehicle like you said as far as possible. So knowing how to drive a vehicle off road is absolutely crucial. That's like part of your bug out 
bag, right? I have the skills that if I am in gridlock and I can get off the road, I know what I'm doing and how to climb climb up hills yeah. and get in through the woods if I have to, because I want to protect that asset and move as far as I can, because I don't like carrying a rucksack anymore. I yeah. want to drive a vehicle as far as possible. The, the biggest problem with that, it's just like the, it's like the tactical cool guy, the tactical guy, mm-hmm. which is... A lot of people think because they shoot guns, they're shooters. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, fine. You shoot a gun, so technically you're a shooter. But are you capable under stress? Do you have technical skill sets? There's a whole bunch of var- variables behind that. So oh, I always assume in my own life that if I'm not the subject matter expert, then I need to get that training. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, they overland. And they think because they overland in a rig, they have training. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize it until I went to BSR, until mm-hmm. I went to Team O'Neill, until I went to all these driving schools. Like, I don't know a lot of shit yeah. about how vehicles you actually don't work. don't know what you don't know. Just because you yeah. drive uh, with, with your buddies uh, drinking beer out of the fucking back of your pickup truck <laughs> and you get through that event without getting uh, jammed up doesn't mean you understand off-road potential driving. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that that bug out basics course with uh, mobility rigs and we talk about mod- brake throttle modulation. We talk about torque and how um, vehicles uh, transfer power, what to do when you do get stuck, uh, et cetera. But I think that's important to know. Huge. It's, and, it's and, huge. And how to not get stuck, right? Yeah. How to drive so you don't get stuck and so you don't, you know, break your axle or, or do something stupid and you protect that asset for as long as possible. What about uh, what about solar for your vehicle? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, off-grid Trek, Renee from off-grid Trek, we worked with him in the past and I have one of his solar blankets. Solar's weird to me, man. Mm-hmm. The reason it's weird to me, like when we were in reconnaissance, we didn't use solar a lot because the technology was just the emerging. bang wasn't worth the buck. It wasn't, it wasn't back wasn't, then. Yeah, yeah. Now supposedly it is. Mm-hmm. Supposedly now they have solar panel packs. Renee's one of them. Off grid truck is one of them that has enough power to power the small electronic devices that you have. Yeah. But the compromise is weight, right? Mm-hmm. If I have a rig, my my truck, my go rig has solar all in it. Mm-hmm. I'm, in fact, I'm having AT Overland, which is uh, uh, Adventure Trailers Overland here in Prescott. They're going to do the entire top of my summit rig, which is huge, the length of my truck, in solar. Mm-hmm. Because I want the solar capability yep. while I'm driving to to fuel, I'm sorry, to uh, charge, trickle charge all the stuff that I have on board. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're if you're on foot, it's a different kind of consideration. So so the power <laughs> management is huge in, in SOCOM right now. And, and it, Tell it, us about that thing you were talking about. The the when you walk it oh, yeah, powers. Yeah, yeah. Your I was gonna get there. Yeah. So I we've been trying to look at power management because remember how many batteries you carry for a long reconnaissance mission? You're running these fifty five nineties are freaking heavy, you know? Remember you were in Robin Sage, did Jory at the Echo have that little bicycle wheel thing where yeah. he was charging his batteries at night? Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. But I've seen some products over the last couple of years and you're talking about big companies like trying to figure this out. But they had one where the frame of the rucksack, as you walked, it kind of bounced on your back. And I don't know if it would drive me fucking crazy, but that friction, that movement was charging your batteries, right? Really? Yes. Now, it's barely enough right now to keep your cell phone from dying. Right, so it's keeping it alive. Right, it's enough to keep it like alive. Like a trickle charge. Like a trickle charge. Right. There's another one where it was like leg things that you strap on, like um, 
Almost Did you like, say put a strap on on? No, I didn't say oh, that. Okay. No, dude, think, you need You gave me the vision. You touched your legs you, and you man. said you put a strap on on. I'm okay. like, how does that d- deliver power? <laughs> oh, wait, there's a way you can deliver. <laughs> there okay. is friction. Friction, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Damn, dude. Sorry, man. I'm you just in the gutter, man. I don't okay. know, man. <laughs> Hormones, dude. No more fucking energy drink. I know, man. Hormones. So it, you had these things that you attached to your legs mm-hmm. that were like a... Uh, is it like a brace it's like a brace it's yeah. like a brace so and as you walked it, it generated energy and, and fed it to your but but again trickle charge not really sure yeah. if the bang was worth the buck i know that and i'm not giving away anything this is open source stuff so i'm working on this iron man suit now nah, they've, they've backed off it now because it just didn't work they had that whole you know that whole suit yeah, yeah. the whole back of it like a backpack was the battery to power it and it lasted an hour an hour. An hour, yeah. Wow. Power is huge. Power management is huge. Like, because we're running radios and Net Warrior and night vision goggles and all that stuff, and even with lithium batteries, batteries are a huge problem, yeah. man. Yeah. You remember the amount of uh, batteries we wasted in combat? Like, yeah. every time we went, every, every night, yeah. we throwing, I was throwing away batteries. Every I'm like, damn, we're spending thousands of dollars a night yeah, just but, on throwing away batteries because but, I'm not taking a chance of my no, shit going No, you know what? Your flashlight going off, your nods going off in the middle of a gunfight, right? Yeah. So a small price to pay. Well, um, on, the, on that night vision, you just you just talked about it. Yeah. Um, a, a good set of PVS-31s is going to cost you 15000 so plus. So expensive, yeah. yeah. Um, and then people ask me, well, can you do some gin... Lower gen mm-hmm. options, you can. There's monocular. When, when you versions. look at FOM, they, they call it figure of merit. Yeah. So they, they'll they'll talk about high FOM tubes, right? Yeah. So the really high FOM. So when they build these night vision, like like L3, the really top of the line high FOM tubes go to SOCOM, right? And then the lower FOM tubes go to like police and and civilians when they sell it to them. Um, but even even. Cheap night vision goggles are better than nothing, right? But people are a couple res- grand, right? A couple of grand, and and uh, Megan from ADS hit me up with with a company. Actually, I got to look at that that have night vision goggles, and I don't know how good they are, but I I, I might hit them up and try them out. But that are half the price of of, of like PVS thirty ones. Remember, I sent, really? I sent you that. Yeah, um, high quality, high form. I don't know. Uh, probably not. Probably not nearly as good, but. Uh, might be good enough, right? And then you got to realize that uh, if it's like pitch black, there's no loom, there, there's a lot of, you know, clouds and stuff, those nods are not going to work very well. Or if you're deep in the woods where there's no moonlight, nods are not going to work. So maybe you want a flashlight with an infrared filter on it. Yeah. So you're pushing light uh, filtered through an IR filter and that you can see that with your nods and nobody else can see it. Yeah, I think if you're a if you're a high end prepper, if you got the money, yeah, yeah, then go all out, man. Get thermals, get Dude. fusion, mm-hmm. the 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 spectrum between infrared and thermal heat identifying heat signatures. Mm-hmm. When I've ran fusion in combat, it was like. I'm like, dude, this is almost unfair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The tactical advantage you get from night vision and just positively identifying people mm-hmm. or staying the fuck away, even from animals, if you're yeah. in a more rural environment, mm-hmm. I would want to have that on. Yeah. And I imagine yeah. if I'm, I'm in the middle, like I'm planning some British Columbian hunts in the middle of Canada, um, going after elk and other things. Mm-hmm. Dude, there's wolves there. They'll mm-hmm. rip your asses apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to have something like that. You can't use them to hunt, but I'll use them to have it as a, you know, whether it's a monocular to get under and, and see. FLIR sales handheld. I had one. I actually gave it to the guy. What's that dude's name off of the uh, Arizona border recon? I gave him my Leopold handheld FLIR 
mm. um, thermal. Yeah. Because uh, he needs Th- it more That's long wave infrared. It's not, yeah. it's uncooled. It's not as good as the mid wave, which is cold thermals, but it's freaking good enough. At it's close good range, you'll see yeah. a heat signature. You'll see animals, yeah. you'll see people, yeah. and to stay the fuck away. Yeah. Um, something I just thought of right now is uh, like personal security for, I'm sleeping in the woods, right? Um, may, and maybe I'll do some work on this because I might have a little background in it, but booby traps, uh, early warning systems for sleeping in the woods, um, methods to either somebody trips something and it starts a light or it blows some shit up, you know what I mean? Maybe that's something to, without crossing any lines and getting into crazy shit, but yeah. let's talk about- Patrol-based activities. Patrol-based, early warning, right? Yeah. Um, trip wire stuff like that. That's probably a good thing to do because you sleep a whole lot better when you've got some security measures out. Yeah, and then when and you're going to have to have passive security measures on your own. It's mm-hmm. not like you get like the idea that you're going to be on fire guard or fire watch and then not. No. it's like getting the low ground, yep. getting in a in a in a uh, textbook ORP objective yep. rally point. Bury bury yourself bury in the woods, yourself. and and your 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 concealment is your security. Yes, and then have a dog. Have a good old dog who fucking barks at motherfuckers when they come near, right? Um, that's a good point that somebody asked me earlier on. What do you do with your pets? What if you have four dogs, three cats, and a fish, and you got a bug out? You got a whole bunch of chow. In <laughs> that's what I said. I said, you got four dogs, pick your favorite and eat the other three. Yeah. You know? That's a difficult circumstance. That is. Yeah, I ha- so I have two dogs. I have a cat. Um, we have chickens. When you're when you have when you have animals and pets, even in even in preparation for what's going on now, like I have a year's supply of dog food. Why? Because my dogs aren't going to eat my food unless in a, it's in an extremist situation. Mm-hmm. Unless that's all we have. Mm. So I have the food stacked on hand for them because they're part of the family. Um, it's important to to think that way. When bugging out, I I do think dogs play a significant role. Not only Obviously, in combat, which we've experienced um, routinely, but also in uh, th- threat mitigation by providing security, early warning, mm-hmm. um, and also companionship. Absolutely, yeah. When, yeah, yeah. When you're, what's that movie with uh, Will Smith? Every what? every apocalypse movie has got a dog. Man. Got a dog and you a dude. Have to have a Doesn't dog. Doesn't that dog die in the movie too? Oh, spoiler yeah, yeah. alert! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Don't watch any Will Smith movies with dogs because they, <laughs> they all die in the movies. Um. um Okay, quick fire questions for you. What? One handgun, what do you take? Glock 17 full size. Okay, one rifle, what do you take? I would take that Triarch uh, folding stock. I think I would too. Yeah. Yeah. One truck, what do you take? My Dodge diesel pickup truck. Even though it's, it's probably, how's it doing fuel? It's a big truck. 20 miles per gallon. It's a massive truck. It's, you, it's you, chipped in tune. That's why I get that gas mileage. You could ram a fucking checkpoint with that fucker, man. I'll just run yeah. over cars. Yeah, yeah. I, I have 37s. It has a 10-inch clearance, but it has a Baja lift, chase truck lift on it, mm-hmm. um, but also gets good gas mileage. I have now. People have asked me about this, and I'm, we're doing a, me and the media, uh, Austin, are doing a walkthrough through my vehicle later on when it gets back from Summit. It's being worked on right now. Um, but I had a 75 gallon transfer flow in the cab or I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, in the truck bed, Yeah. but it took up a lot of space. So I got, I didn't get rid of that. I actually moved it off to the side because we'll use that for the shop truck later on. But I, I got a Titan system underneath where my spare tire would go and it's 30 gallons. Mm. So I still have double the capacity. Mm -hmm. I don't have 2000 miles of capacity, but I have plenty of uh, standard uh, fuel. One candy bar. What do you take? Almond joy. (laughs) 
because I got two opportunities. It's double the the fun. All right. Uh, what else we got? What about you? What are yours? I don't know. Glock 19 probably for concealment. Yeah. Probably take that Triarch. Again, it depends on the situation, but yeah. that thing's small, man. Light. It's small, light, concealable. It looks badass. Yeah. Right? Truck, don't uh, tell me you're going to bring your Ford piece of shit 150. Wow. Well, you got to go there. When you inv- when you reinvest 10 grand into it, then... You're uh, right, yeah. My, yeah. So I love my Ford F-150 until the transmission fucking shit the bed. Yeah, like at 100,000 miles. Ford, if you're listen, listening to this, come yeah. on, man. Hook it up. Yeah, come on. Um, Mercedes Sprinter van. <laughs> Living large. Yeah. yeah. No, probably like, like something good off-road, like a... Land like Cruiser. A, like a Land Cruiser or... or you know, maybe a Toyota or something like that. Yeah. And then you you got to think about parts on the way too. So you yeah. can salvage. So you want to get something that's fairly common that you can salvage parts from other vehicle as you go. Yeah. Um, I have yeah. a, the, the, our 1987 Philcraft Toyota 80, uh, 22RE truck. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most reliable. I have 380,000 miles in that truck. <laughs> that thing's never going to die. It's never going to die. No. And it just no. puts around. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's a great little truck, man. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have much carrying capacity. It's it small, yeah. but but it's probably great on fuel, right? It is. Yeah. It is great yeah. on fuel. Um, all right. Bug out class. Because you were supposed to brief me on this and you never did because I yeah. just got back last night. So we've got two courses. We've got one in vehicles. Bug out basics, yeah. And then we've got one on foot, which I'm really foot. looking forward to because that that's uh and then if there's if there's uh an appetite for more courses like this, we'll just keep expanding it, man. It, it could be really it's something nobody else is doing and it could be really really educational and I know I'm looking forward to it because I know we're going to learn shit every time we run that course. Yeah, We're going to learn something new. Absolutely. Yeah? So you want to brief people on that? Yeah, so when we started this, I mean, one, I, I used to run the ops course, which if you talk to OGs who have been with the company or taken courses from the company from four or five years ago, I started this company with that course. The ops course is Observe, Prepare, Survive. Uh, some of the guys that are actually on here, Jared's been to that. Um, the ops course, Observe, Prepare, Survive, it was a course to teach survival psychology and make people understand kind of the concept of how stress works in survival. But it was linked around a situation or circumstance in which you bugged out. Um, We've done different versions of bug out courses on small scales, but it derives from our experiences in survival type schools, even mine with a, uh, working with the CIA doing high risk uh, uh, officers course, which is like a bug out course. These courses are military-centric, so we designed a course around the civilian contingency, which, again, this doesn't have to be fucking zombies, Russia parachuting in. This could be based around normal things that we're seeing today, including, I mean, I've, had, I've been asked more about bugging out in the, in, in, the, in the way in which people displace from areas that are locked down because there's so many people. Mm-hmm. Derek Miller, for example, or our good buddy Derek, from Northern California said, Hey, I'm thinking about bugging out. Can you know, where can I go? And it's like, one, you can come to my house. That's, mm-hmm. that's where you bug out from. But if they lock down that place, we didn't know the extent in which the government of California would lock them down. Mm-hmm. Where they do an Arizona, where they do an Arizona, Arizona, Nevada or Nevada or Arizona, California, um, line and say you're not crossing the border yep. uh, into nevada or lot, anywhere there are a lot of mountains there man. Dude, exactly there's, there's very porous border right yeah. there. yeah so how yeah. are you going to do it and for people to say because some people have said that it never happened 
again, 60 days ago, you never thought that you would be se- you know, self-contained yeah. because whole, of shelter in place. The whole world, man, is, yeah. is on lockdown right yeah. now. Who'd have thought 30 days ago, you know? I, th- I actually think the, the planning portion of a bug out, like if I lived in San Francisco, the planning portion of a bug out would be really super cool to do. Like yeah. lock that shit down, step, to, you know, would. phases. And, yeah. I mean, we, we talk about uh, a worst case scenario. Imagine right now, San Francisco, which hasn't uh, tested, but also hasn't um, been pinged as being an epicenter of this disaster with mm-hmm. coronavirus already. Dude, but dude, uh, it, um, it's only a matter of time, right? San Francisco got Chinatown, man. Yeah. How many flights come in from China yeah. in that window when nobody took this seriously? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it could be a, a, a worse situation. Now imagine, which we're due, imagine an earthquake hit yeah. San Francisco right now on top of what's yeah. going on. Yeah you are likely to see a knee-jerk reaction from the government, from the politics of potentially locking down these specific places. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump just announced that he would consider... Uh, the re- Kevin Estella, the bushcraft expert, was supposed to come this weekend yep. to teach. Mm-hmm. He canceled his uh, flights because Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York are on a warning order that they might get shut down depending on how this thing goes. Well, how would you like to be uh, Pennsylvania, let's say, or somewhere bordering... New York, like somewhere real close, would you shut down your border? Never mind that that state government shutting down their border, but the neighboring states shutting down the border yeah. and saying, hey, all you guys that are infected, you've got fucking 70% infection rate in New York City. You know, who knows in two weeks, you say, you're not coming down. You're not coming to Connecticut anymore. Yeah. You're done. We're yeah. locking everything down. Yeah. yeah. that's And that's a huge problem. That's part of the problem they're experiencing in New York City, which... You know, 10 plus million people displaced because they're on quarantine. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people live in neighboring places like Connecticut, Vermont, mm-hmm. the list goes on. They're displacing and then infecting everybody else. Yeah. But it's a shit show nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So when you're bugging out, you have to consider like, what is your tactical advantage in, in going out on foot versus on a, via a vehicle? Mm-hmm. So here's a breakdown, a, a synopsis of the course. One, you show up and, and this is... This is the first one, right? This, this is two, two day? Or to, or oh, yeah. Let me, you want me to talk about yeah, it first? Yeah, let's do the two-day first. Because so it's earlier, right? It's technically not a two-day, but it's a one-day with the option to camp overnight. Most people have already said it. They're going to camp overnight with mm-hmm. us. One, we have made the decision to reduce the number of people in the course and to abide by the six-foot uh, social separation. Um, so we have reduced the number. So, like, for example, on the... The ninth. This one's nine May. That's sold out already. It's limited to to six to seven rigs. Um, those rigs will start off in the classroom. We're going to go through some administrative stuff, but we are we are doing an overland movement and teaching certain aspects of bugging out in route. Mm-hmm. We'll stop. We'll talk about navigation. Well, I've taught this in Nevada uh, uh, in the last couple of years. We'll stop. We'll talk about uh, water procurement, sur- basics of survival principles of of uh of uh bugging out and then really all the things that we're hashing out in detail here mm-hmm. we're talking about uh in relationship to your vehicle and i, I assume there would be a packet list for anybody coming yeah there is mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so that uh, indexes campfire have um food out there uh drinking some beer and then they leave the next morning it's only a one-day course um the the bug out on person has very specific characteristics because it's a different more comprehensive execution plan. One, if you're bugging on a foot, you better have your shit together. Mm-hmm. You just don't throw in a bag and start fucking moving somewhere on foot because yeah. you haven't thought about where you're going to resupply water. You're actually safer to hunker down. 
You are. If you're going to do that unprepared, yeah. you're, you're going from a bad situation to a worse exactly. situation. Yeah. Or, yeah. or acquisition, start, start jacking fools. Yeah. Um, so we have an academic day where we teach in the classroom. Then we have an exercise where we go out into the field. Did you lay out the classes that are going to be taught online? Yes. Right? You did? Yeah. It's in the basic descriptions of the okay. class on philcraftsurvival.com. Mm-hmm. And then everything is broken down into a guided tour, which is you're basically getting all the blocks of instruction while we go through a scenario. And I'm not going to brief the scenario because I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's some of the things that we talked about in depth. Uh, and then you come out the last day and we do what we typically do um, in the military, which is a hot wash. We'll do a mm-hmm. scrub and after action review, talking in depth about case studies. Look, a lot of people don't think because it's the terminology is not used, but there's been many instances in history, in modern history, of people essentially doing bug outs um, that have been, you know, everywhere from expeditions where they had to send rescue operations or people have had to bug out essentially. Every refugee in every war in the history of time was a bug out. Exactly. If you're, yeah, yeah. yeah. If there's an oncoming army and you're yeah. running, you're bugging yeah. out. Yeah. 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 If you're a refugee in Syria and you, mm-hmm. and you left that bad circumstance, you yeah. bugged out. You bugged out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that in depth and do an AER talking about case studies and having a good, a lot of good science behind it. Mm-hmm. But that's an all inclusive course, meaning the, the flat rate fee you pay covers everything from lodging to meals that entire time that you're mm-hmm. out in the field. Yeah. And, uh, heavy planning too. Heavy planning. on Super on, heavy planning. Yeah. Cause yeah. Like you, you think about how many missions you've planned in the last freaking 20 years or, or 30 years for me, you know, my God, I, I can't even imagine how many times we planned missions and, and went through that planning process. Yeah. So I, I tell people who, who get this uh, idea that special operations is glitz and glamour. It's not. I'm like, you have any, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like the uh, statistics on the flu. Mm-hmm. It's like 0.1% fun, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. like, yeah. it's like, it's one in a thousand chance that you're going to have a good time Yeah. because everything else built around that is the preparation and planning where you come down, somebody comes down headquarters and says, hey, we got this operation. Immediately, you know you're going into isolation and it's going to be a suck fest. Yeah. It's like, great, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you get to the op for infill, you're just mm-hmm. so fucking done. Yeah. You're just like, let's just get this shit over with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're just a, you're a robot executing the task and skill sets. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I hate to downplay that for people because I want to keep the allure in a, uh, mm-hmm. alive. But special operations is boring in a lot of senses because mm-hmm. of the amount of planning and preparation that go into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until you get really, really good, like in, in 08, 06 and 07 and 08, you, the, uh, when you're doing mission after mission after mission, the, the planning becomes very, very streamlined because yes. a lot of things are, are standard operating procedure. Yeah. Action on contact, SOP, action on this, SOP, yeah. all the contingency things. You're not things, inventing the wheel. You're not. You know, All the contingency things are, are, are very much cut and paste at that point, and you could do a mission planning session over the hood of a truck before you roll out the gate five yeah. minutes later. Yeah, but yeah. that takes years and years and years to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. we, you know, in, in the, and for people who are listening to this, the difference is between, I mean, we used to do very in-depth mission, uh, military decision-making process, mission planning. Mm-hmm. And that was via a war game process, which mm-hmm. we still do depending mm-hmm. on the operation. But we got down to five W's. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. where we just who, what, when, where, and how, and then just executed yeah. based off of like a, a couple sentences because mm-hmm. we had the SOPs down. Yeah. We didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, you have to learn how to walk before you can run, right? You have to yeah. learn that big piece so you can whittle it down and know what's important and what's not important. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that's missing in all this for people. They, they don't understand that 
when we get like on the first day when we're doing this bug out on foot, we're teaching a method and process, a five paragraph op order, basics of how to plan, mm-hmm. which is plug and play. You got situation. You map out the situation. You articulate the situation, but it gives you in the process of articulating it, which is collecting information on it, understanding the information mm-hmm. and intel, the worst case scenarios, the best case scenarios, fuck the weather and and light mm-hmm. data. Taking that info and just through that process of understanding it, it, in planning is what gives you the understanding of how to execute and confidence in your abilities because you know what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. So for people to think that you somehow check that block, you don't do that. Because if you check that block when you're out in the field trying to operate because you went haven't gone through the process and been exposed to that information, you won't know what the fuck is going on. I, I think when, when when we do the mission planning stuff, you know, there's when people plan, there's going to be stuff they miss and they forget to think about. And as long as nobody's going to get hurt and it's not a safety issue, we'd probably let you go with that and let you experience the failure almost, and then recock it and say, hey, you should have thought about it. Because if we just tell you the answer, you'll never fucking remember it, never, right? But never. if you go in there and you go, man, we why didn't we look at the weather before we left? Yeah. You'll never forget that again. That, yeah. that that's a, uh, Mistake-based learning really does drive it home. It's experience-based learning. Yeah. yeah. And and how we started this podcast is how we're going to end it. But we start, when we started talking about it, there are staples of bugging out. Mm-hmm. Which are the to me the staples of survival and contingencies like ham radio that is an SOP should be a foundational piece of equipment that is part of your kit, but all the other things have to do with your, the situation mm-hmm. and environmental factors that apply to where you live. A person who's who lives in Billings, Montana, is not going to have the same loadout as a person that lives in South mm-hmm. Miami, Florida. But knowing what what is important and what's not important that that that's the hard part, right? That, yeah. That's okay. I need this, but I don't need this, right? That, yeah. that that's there, there's a there's a lot that goes into that too, right? Yeah. If you're going to um, bug out of San Francisco, you might want to have a fucking boat, yeah. and maybe a sailboat because mm-hmm. you don't want to use power because you don't have the fuel yeah. to get your ass out of a bad situation mm-hmm. to go up the coast to Oregon or Washington State. But, but after the after the the disaster has happened, that's not the time to think about it. Yeah, right. Which is most people, right? Yes. Yeah. Now's the time to have that shit ready to go and, and have at least thought about it. Yeah. I, what I love about all the stuff that we're talking about in depth is when you I talked about this on the live feed uh, last night. When you accept that preparedness is going to be a part of your life, so you're paying attention now. Mm-hmm. You're going to go, you know what? I need to get into this. It makes your life not only more confident, but fun. Because uh, you're doing it, you should be doing it with your family and friends, mm-hmm. but now you're like, hey man, I'm getting involved with these Phil Craft guys or whatever the fucking company is. I'm getting involved and I'm going to look at Kit. Right? For me, I geek out in those instances because I'm like, what's the best camp stove? Mm-hmm. Now, the best camp stove to me is the lightest and most reliable. But when you get that, it's like now you have it for the worst case scenario, but you also optimize your your camping setup. Mm-hmm. And now it just makes everything fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that goes with self-defense. It goes with your mobility platform. Mm-hmm. Now you can go down rabbit holes and spend a lot of money. But part of that is the investment in your preparedness. Like mm-hmm. I want people to understand if you're going to spend money on dumb shit, like you're going to go to your fancy restaurant and spend five, $500 on fucking whiskey and just dumb shit, Invest that in preparedness and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Make it a part of your life. Yeah, and make it fun for your kids. Yeah, yeah. If if they're involved, which it should be. Yeah, they, absolutely. Without making it scary. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what's next? La, I, I, so, uh, 
we should probably put out that hey, we're we're running. If you if we have courses on our website, they're running right now. They're going forward, and uh, unless you hear from us, which George has been personally calling people who are booked for courses that we had to stop, and uh, we're, we're we're driving on. Yeah, we we're, are not we are not shutting down training as long as we can mitigate the risk mm-hmm. as training. Yeah, like California, we cut the class in half. We did six feet of separation. We had a hand wash station. We did a brief beforehand. The bottom line is one, I don't want to get fucking sick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, outside of me, I mean, I'm not exposed to elderly or compromised immunities in my family, but I just don't want to be fucking sick. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give it to my family. I don't want to give it to my friends. Um, and I don't want you to do the same. So like, for example, I'm teaching on, uh, on um, with Risen Warrior Syndicate on, on Saturday, the 18th of April in a couple of weeks. I don't want to be sick and I don't want anybody else there to get sick. So we're taking the two bays, which are separate, and then we're partitioning the course in half. Mm-hmm. One will be with Risen Warrior with Lucas in the morning, one will be with me, and then we'll rotate in the afternoon. We're doing that at all of our courses to take the appropriate measures. Unless the state or the range shuts us down, which you'll know, you'll be the first to know, we are continuing training and that's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, if, for example, for the... Um, uh, the bug out on a foot course, we have limited the slots to 10 slots, which means we'll be partitioned into two groups moving parallel of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will not assimilate that and we'll keep the six foot of separation, even in base camp as we're settled down. Yeah. Um, uh, also, we will do more uh, adaptable training. For, for example, I, I have, I'll advertise this now because it's up on the website. I have a... Um, um, it's in May. Sorry, I have a. Sorry, I got to get my other calendar. I got freaking five different calendars. I have a webinar that's planned right now for the eighth of April, which is next week. So, gunfighter pistol webinar. I've done it before, but nobody was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm excited about a webinar." Well, now you might be mm-hmm. because for the first time, you might be sitting at your, at your home and sheltering in place, and you don't have the ability to get out. Mm-hmm. So I've already pre-recorded videos that tie into the demonstration of the practical application of what I'm teaching, and that's part of that course. So it's an interactive web. You guys could sign up on fullcrowdsurvival.com, but it's on the 8th of April, which that's, is next Wednesday. It's basic pistol handling, right? That, no, it's basic pistol and how, how it relates to self-defense. Mm-hmm. So we'll go over... We'll go over safety, basic pistol handling, and then self-defense. And what mm-hmm. I do is like I teach grip, but I teach you with a camera, and then I show you the practical application via uh, uh, footage that I already shot on video. Mm-hmm. And webinars, to me, it's pretty fucking cool. Um, I'm a geek like that. I like I like to think that I could use technology to affect more people. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it was... Nobody gave a shit uh, two months ago, mm-hmm. but now yeah. we and, might get and, people and sign up for if, that. You know, if you're listening and you're like, eh, I don't think I get anything from that. Maybe somebody else you know, you give them a call. Hey, I, I'm pretty new to pistol. Yes. And I'm stuck at home. Give them a call. Tell them to, yeah. to tune in and learn a little you're bit. Taking, you're taking a, a $300 course yeah. for 25 bucks on right. a webinar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's not like I'm, I'm half-assing it. I'm on that camera for three hours talking about gunfighter pistol. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah, Good I'm excited you. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What do, you, what do you have going on in the near future? Uh, so I did a podcast while I was up with the page page deviation podcast that's called page super nice girl she 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 did a podcast with you before I love right page, yeah. and you did a podcast with her she helped train my dog and she asked me to do it i was like sure so uh that should be dropping here pretty soon the deviation podcast 
Um, that was that. You yeah. have Mike Ritland's podcast rescheduled, right? I have it rescheduled. It hasn't been, hasn't been locked in yet, but I was supposed to do his podcast, but it, it got pushed. Um, I was supposed to go, we were supposed to go down to Fort Benning to the National Defense Industry Association, and I was supposed to get my Hathcock Award, and that got pushed. Yeah. Um, I will be going to Ra- with Raul in about two weeks to Kansas to teach uh, pistol one day, carbine the next day, and long-range carbine That's the third be awesome. day. Yep. yep. And then I'm driving back to Bragg and I'm going to get my retirement ID card because that's when I get out. And then I'll meet you in South Carolina and we will teach. Uh, we've got, I think, two or three days of teaching right there. Yeah, we're, we'll be teaching. Me and you will be teaching together in South, South Carolina on the 24th, 25th, and 26th of um, April of mm-hmm. this month. Yep. I'm also doing Andy Stump's podcast. That's mid, a huge mid-month. one, right? That's a big yeah, one. Yeah. Andy Stump's Cleared Hot Podcast. If yeah. you haven't listened to it, it's a great podcast. One of my favorites. Top yeah. three podcasts for me. Um, but you could get you could check him out. But Andy Stump's a great dude. He was just on Rogan's podcast. But uh, thanks to Trevor Thompson for hooking that up. And uh, I'll be in Montana doing that podcast. And you're and you're kicking off your own podcast, right? I am. Hmm. Oh, thanks for reminding me. Yeah. For a selfless plug. Because, uh, yeah, because you're, you're, you're making me freaking... Yes. Do things I don't want to do. In fact, everybody, <laughs> yeah. Kevin Owens will be um, Angel Cortez. We flew him in. He's he's here on the ground now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've quarantined him in a, a hotel, feeding him potato chips. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel Cortez is a great dude, uh, former Ranger, um, military guy, positive influence on his on his uh, on his peoples. Great great guy. He'll be here in the morning, uh, and you'll have it all over your live feeds. Uh, I'll be filming something in the morning with uh, the guys. But Angel Cortez will be interviewed by you. Um, but I have started my own podcast called the Might Force Podcast, which is stems from the Quick Reaction Forces of Special Forces in Vietnam who used to QRF, uh, Mac V. Sog, and all all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. that was going on. Um, but the Might Force Podcast, uh, my first couple podcasts will be dropping. You'll be a guest on my podcast. Oh, the whole point of the Might Force Podcast for me was to be able to interview people in my genre that don't necessarily have to do with survival. Because mm-hmm. I've turned people down. Like, mm-hmm. I, there's a cook. Um, I won't tell you the name because he's going to be one of my great first uh, guests who's a hunter, avid outdoorsman, hunter who was electrocuted in, in the outdoors. I'm interviewing him. It wouldn't be applicable, really, to Phil Craft mm-hmm. Survival because it's educational. But I want to interview scientists, geologists, biologists, historians, the list goes on because I'm into that nerd shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't; it's not appropriate for Philcraft survival. Plus, it never hurts to diversify a little bit and have uh, my podcast because Philcraft survival podcast. This podcast is doing very fucking good. Mm-hmm. We're, we're top. We're number two right now on our charts out of thousands of podcasts mm-hmm. in our category in government and organizations. And we smash fucking SoftRep. That's all I care about. <laughs> my only goal, because SoftRep in, invest hundreds of thousands, and we don't. I've invested about a hundred dollars in our podcast. Um, my only goal is to smash software. As long we're as long as we're beating them, we're doing well. Mm. We're doing well. Cool. All right, man. That's it. We've done uh, about two hours. Cool. It's good. Good. I noticed your monster energy has peaked off at the bot at the. I tail knew we end. were getting to the end. Now, if you would have just got a kill cliff, they have Dude. longer ranges. Uh, this well, you've got the ads. Killcliff.com. Uh, mm. <laughs> you guys, if, if if you guys are interested in our sponsors, I. If you're interested in our sponsors, stick around because I like to give you guys discounts. The The first sponsor I want to mention, because this is new, is Dometic. Um, we just got a, uh, a deal with Dometic, and we've gotten you guys free shipping on Dometic.com. Uh, Dometic does fridges, power sources, 
Um, their fridge is going to be inside of my uh, go rig, the the truck. You have a Dometic fridge in your RV. Yep, and it runs on um, power propane. It runs on shore power, and it runs on the generator. The generator. Actually, yeah. that'd be a really good thing for a power outage, right? To have a fridge in your house that runs on propane. Yes. If if the power went out, right? Yeah. yeah. My and generator it, it, runs off propane, and it takes so little propane to run that thing. You yeah. Can, you can run it for freaking I don't know, probably weeks on the, if you're just running the the the, the fridge, right? Yeah. It, it tastes yeah. very. Little. And Dometic right now, I talk, I just talked to Dometic yesterday. They're they're have a they're having huge sales to off the inventory they have because of the Corona stuff that's mm-hmm. going on. It's sitting in warehouses. Mm-hmm. So they've uh, offered up to 25% off on certain things. But if you use Fieldcraft, one word, on Dometic.com, you get free shipping, which on a fridge yeah. saves you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, use Fieldcraft, and that's lowercase Fieldcraft on uh, on that. Cool. Uh, for Killcliff.com, look, Killcliff, we have a Killcliff fridge right behind me. We fuel all of our guests with Killcliff. Um Killcliff.com, big supporter of the Navy SEAL Foundation, big supporters of us as a company, strategic partnerships with companies that do the right thing is my favorite thing as a, as a CEO. I want companies to be strategically aligned. Uh, best energy drinks, cleanest energy drinks, a lot cleaner than the crap you're drinking. Uh, check out <laughs> Killcliff.com. If you use Survival10 on Killcliff.com, you can save 10%. Also, I'm going to wrap this together because I, I have a lot of respect for Chris Reeves at triarchsystems.com, T-R-I-A-R-C systems.com, but also BCM. The only carbines which I've shot, I mean, we didn't get on board with Triarch for a year because we told them we wanted to uh, vet their mm-hmm. guns. And they sent us a gun. We we ran thousands of rounds through it. Um, w- the best carbines, pistols, I have their Tri-11 in the next room I've been uh, dry mm-hmm. practicing with. Um, Triarch and BCM are our two go-to companies. Uh, for Triarch, you could actually use Philcraft at checkout to save on a build of your choice, uh, 5% off your build. Um, Tri-11, also their Glocks. We just got picked up their Glock for Series SWAT's uh, um, dinner, mm-hmm. their uh, foundation annual uh, fundraiser dinner, um, as well as uh, who's the other sponsor? Casey Highlights. Casey Highlights. Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. Casey Highlights, We. I just got the, the pod that goes over to the window of the Go Rig, which is huge. I've never seen that light system work. Um, I've never seen it on. I haven't even seen it in person. Mm-hmm. I just got that for my rig based on recommendations from people in the overland space. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to be the front headliner of everything we do mobility is the build out of that rig. Uh, Casey Highlights has given us a coupon code. You could use uh, survival10 on checkout. I'm sorry, Philcraft, one word, on checkout to save 10%. I'm also doing a live feed with Ali from um, from Casey Highlights tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully I get it uploaded. But I'm doing it on their feed to talk about preparedness and everything that's going on with the corona. Can I plug a couple of companies that don't really sponsor us? Absolutely, but, yeah. Uh, Kestrel? Kestrel Ballistics, they make the ballistic calculator we use. Yes. And they're really, really cool company. Don't we have a coupon code? We do. It's uh, KB15FC. What? Yeah. KB? KB is Kestrel Ballistics. 15 is 15%, I think. And then FC. It's on the top of my Instagram page. But they, that's- What's your Instagram page? Kevin.p.owns. Kevin.p.owns. Yeah, they, they, uh, that's about 100 bucks off uh, an elite ballistic calculator. The co- yes. Kestrel with mm-hmm. the integrated AB. Yes. Applied ballistics. Yeah, fantastic piece of kit. Very innovative company and very forward thinking. Should have told me that know? before I bought mine. You didn't buy one. Just nice. kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> that Tier Tactical, I ran that, that, I didn't run it, but I took that plate carrier with me. That thing's badass. Tier make awesome equipment. Yeah. Um, Night Force, 
they just sent me the new 7 to 35 ATAC R with a Tremor 3 reticle in it. That's like, the SOCOM optic, right? Yes, it's fantastic. It's the best optic in the world right now for long range. What's my, the one that I have on the BCM that I'm testing for uh, BCM? Oh, that's the, uh, the 1 to 8. It's the, the Night Force 1 to 8. And that's a fantastic optic as well. Yeah. But it's for a carbine. It's more. Isn't like that a, expensive? It, it is expensive. Yeah. But hey. Does anybody you know, make 1 to 8s now? Are they the only ones? Uh, Bushnell, maybe. Maybe, and um, who makes that 1 to 10? Uh, Vortex make a 1 to 10 now as well, which yeah. used to be our sniper optic yeah. 10 years ago, and now it's a carbine. It used to be the M3 Alpha. Yeah, and now it's a carbine optic, right? Yeah. But uh, Night Force make a, a phenomenal product and great customer service and, and a great company. Um, and um winning an ammo but I'm, I'm going to do a video on the Barrett MRAD a good detailed video switching barrels shooting groups doing all that kind of stuff and uh, that, that'll be coming out in the next week or can two. you mention a little bit about accuracy first because there has been some people uh, specifically around here who are like oh you guys aren't going to be teaching for accuracy first can you line uh, that yeah. up okay so Todd Hodnett accuracy first probably not probably the most successful and smartest long-range shooter in the world like he he has revolutionized sniping in, in the socom in the u.s army and and half the country's friendly countries i know he's trained in, in england he's trained new zealand and australia and, and some of the european countries uh todd's a rock star man and he's really really revolutionized thing like i said so we're the only company authorized to teach accuracy first now we don't teach the civilians for the for the two-day course but uh we teach it for military and, and, and for police officers and stuff like that if, if, they, if they want it, you know. For a two-day, like a one-day ballistics and a one-day shooting for, for a, a short weekend course, is it's just, it's not working. There's not enough time to get into that stuff. So, uh, but, but for military and, and uh, people like that who want to learn those techniques, we're authorized to teach that. And I've known Todd for 14 years, I think, and we're good friends. So um, I already taught, I already podcasted todd i'm trying to get pete gold now pete spent 32 years in soft i think um he was the star major he was he was in charge during 37 he's got an awesome awesome history uh and i'm trying to try and get brian litz to come on a podcast too and, and, and talk about stuff like that so somebody asked on the on the facebook live they said hey is that night force one to eight a first focal plane yes first focal plane it yeah. is a first focal yes plane. absolutely okay. and then if you're going to get it take a look at the tremor eight reticle yeah. That's the new reticle that Todd designed f specifically for that optic, and it's, it's got some really cool features. Yeah, if you if you guys, I did ask that last question, and we'll end it off on this, but they asked me, hey, how do you get the BCM upper uh, that we're selling, which is the Black Powder Red Earth version of mm -hmm. it? If you want it, go email us at info at philcraftsurvival.com. Just put in the subject line, just put BCM upper. Mm -hmm. um, we already have a waiting list going. With everything going on in the world, uh, centered around the corona, uh, a lot of gun manufacturers are having a, a stretch out on their timeline for meeting their their shipping and receiving. Uh, that includes BCM, so there's a, a couple weeks waiting, maybe even a, a few weeks, but mm -hmm. you can call to get on a list uh, for the uppers that we sell. We don't mm -hmm. advertise or sell them online. We only do it through this means. So if you're interested, just hit us up at info at philcraftsurvival.com. Uh, Kev, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, guys. Until next time, stay alert. Stay alive. Later, guys. 